to Sick Bay. Uh, I am Mira, your host. This is episode 10 already. Whoa, episode 10. What? And I am joined by McFreeze, who just said what? What? And Ace. What? Who just said what? But yes, we're at episode 10. Congratulations to us for making it this far in our journey of Star Trek. Honestly, so today we're going to. I honestly can't believe it's already episode 10. Honestly, it doesn't feel like it, that long we've been doing it. That means we've been doing this for two and a half months, right? Yeah. Yeah, we started in December, didn't we? Yeah. Oh my! It doesn't feel like it, does it? No, time flies. Because winter never ends. That's also true. Uh, so th- today we're going to be talking about a couple of good episodes. We we both uh, we both we all we all were talking about how much we like these both episodes. Both of these episodes, they're good. Uh, these episodes that we're talking about today, season one, episode nineteen, coming of age, the one where Wesley is taking his entrance exam to Starfleet Academy. <gasps> and episode 20, uh, Heart of Glory, where Worf gets to do some stuff and Klingons are there. These were both fun episodes. The first episode, Coming of Age, um, it, was, it threw me for a real curveball where, you know, it's an A plot, B plot. Uh, but, you know, you think there's going to be a Wesley plot. You think that one's going to be like the stinker of the two. Wesley got the good story and Picard kind of got the bunk story. I was not expecting this. This is a pleasant surprise. I love Wesley now. It it was a really I mean, I always Wesley. loved Wesley, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'm going to write that down for the record. Hayes always loved has Wesley. Uh, yeah. it's it's ready too. like right after last week, we were talking about how much we like to see Wesley as a real human being. Uh, he's not quite as much in this episode as he was in um in when the bow breaks uh, a real human being that is but he's he is like definitely there more than he was earlier in the season he's mm-hmm. an actual character and he has some good times today and some bad times and um you know the Picard plot does suck but the, it also has the best moment of the episode for me which I'll talk about when we get there but uh, one of my like absolute favorite moments uh, I just. I really like that uh, part because it has some of it has my favorite character in this episode, who is Mister Remick, the <laughs> biggest asshole in all of Starfleet. Was a I good love guy him. by the end. He was all right. He didn't mean anything by it. He's, he was, he was doing he's, his job. He's, doing his job. He's, he's so committed to doing his job, and I salute him. the The man's a natural villain. He can't help it. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good character. He's got some good moments in this. And then um, I, I really like Mordok, too. Uh, Wesley's friend down on the tests. Mordok's a good guy. Vape Lord Mordok. <laughs> he needs vaping to live, Pace. I love vaping. I love it. All right. So <laughs> we start the episode with uh, Wesley's running down the halls of the Enterprise after someone named Jake, who looks like about his age, but maybe a little bit older, like twice the size. Jake is huge. Did you guys notice how big Jake is? I didn't actually um, notice. He's pretty big. Jake, the actor for Jake in this episode is 22 years old. Okay, so that's ah. quite a bit older, yeah. But he also is, like, much more buff than uh, than Wesley. Um, and he's wearing, like, this... What is he wearing? Like, this gray... I didn't screenshot him. Uh, I just wrote down, what the fuck is he wearing? Because it looks like it's, like, a sweater with a coat over it, but the sweater looks sewn in. And there's also, like, coats of leather on the... Uh, or strips of leather on the coat that look like brown snakeskin. It, it was a weird look. I, I actually know. didn't pay that much attention to it. I just rem- remember thinking, like, I guess all the kids here have sweaters. That's weird. It's <laughs> it's the fashion in the future. 
Um, I guess so. <laughs> but Wesley's apologizing to him for something they don't really say directly, but uh, Jake apparently failed some test and isn't going somewhere, but Jake just wishes Wesley luck. It feels like we like lost a scene or something before the first scene of the show. Cause like, yeah, like you don't really like, you can kind of tell through context that like Jake wasn't able to make, you know, the test to uh, go over cert or something, but we aren't, do we ever really get an idea of what he's supposed to be apologizing for? Uh, Wesley is. Uh, he's just apologizing. I mean, I mean, through the, the episode, we get the context of Wesley's going to the Starfleet uh, exams and Jake isn't cause Jake, I guess, didn't pass the test. to get enough score go to the test is he apologizing for being a wunderkind yeah he's sorry (laughs) that he's going and jake is and especially because jake is older i'm sure jake feels really bad about it wesley's only fucking 15 years old we get confirmation of that in this episode finally he's 15 Mm -hmm. years old and uh i know um, that's younger than i thought i was thinking at at the very lowest 16 15 is lower than i thought well he'll be 16 in a month that seems about right to me okay um, so the planet's orbiting Relva 7, which is where we learn that Wesley is going to be taking the entrance exam to Starfleet Academy. And also Admiral Gregory Quinn, who's an old friend of uh, Captain Picard, is going to be beaming aboard from the planet. Like they literally have this scene where Wesley beams off the ship and then the the Admiral beams onto the ship. And this is where also we meet, um, uh, what is his name? Lieutenant Commander Dexter Remick. <laughs> yeah. This, what a name, by the way. He should be in an action movie. This fucker. Fuck this guy. Uh, and the uh, Picard introduces them to to Riker, Doctor Crusher, and uh, Natasha Yar again. Which I don't know why he always calls her Natasha Yar and not just Tasha. Everybody else calls her Tasha. He's being that's, very formal. Yeah, that, that's her formal name. You know, that's how she's to be introduced. I guess. I guess it is an admiral, but uh, the admiral needs to speak to Picard alone. Nobody else there, not even Riker. So Picard, Quinn, and Remick go into the ready room. And Commander Remick is, uh, I guess, from the Inspector General's office. And the Admiral thinks that there may be something very wrong on the ship, but he won't tell Picard what it is. Just that Remick is here to investigate it and find out what's going on. This is unacceptable behavior by any... Like, you can't just, like, tell someone... I I guess I don't know, you know, anything about how the military works. I'm not claiming anything. But, like, if someone just, like, came aboard your operation and was just like, there's something wrong here. I want to check it out, but I can't tell you anything. Sit still. Okay. Actually, I guess I mean, that could happen. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's exactly how the military works, yeah. <laughs> now, that, now that I say it out loud. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if an admiral tells you to do something, you just uh, you kind of have to do it. That's yeah, the rules. Yeah, you're probably right. It's uh, a big secret. You can't, it, you can't let on anything or you'll compromise the investigation. Yeah, Picard isn't allowed to uh, interfere with the investigation. He has to help it in every way, and he's not allowed to talk about it to anybody. Mm-hmm. I guess Although... The the uh the vagueness never actually goes away, even when everything is revealed about like what they're looking for. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they, they were revealed looking for something extremely vague, something wrong with yeah. the enterprise. Something well, wrong. What does the, that mean? <laughs> the important thing is that Remick gets to say nothing and no one will stand in my way. <laughs> <laughs> you really make him sound like an action hero too. He should so we, be played we, by Sylvester Stallone, probably. <laughs> uh, so then we, we see the planet, uh, the, the orbiting, and we see a star base in like a desert. It's like a desert planet. Uh, and then Wesley's in a room playing with some object, and uh, a girl in a blue mini dress and black tights comes in and asks her uh, what it is. And she introduces herself as Oleana Mirin. Mm-hmm. And what did he say? It was like a flux capacitor? No, he didn't say that. 
don't know, I wrote something. it. I wrote it with a big calculator. Oh, it didn't look like a big calculator. Um, but uh, she's she's heard of Wesley, uh, you know, because he is on the flagship of the Federation. Right, it makes sense. about the Wonderkind kid, um, and she's heard that he's going to be competition. And then also a Vulcan uh, and a, a blue alien walk in, and the Vulcan is Tashanik of Volcana Regar. We see another is, Vulcan. That's cool. Yeah, they they have them here in the show sometimes, occasionally, and not Vulcan, often. Yeah. They should show him more because Vulcans are cool looking. I kept look, like this is weird to say because I don't know how old she is. She's probably like twenty or whatever. But I was like, she's an attractive young lady, isn't yeah, she? She's just, like very yeah. striking. Yeah, it's pretty. I I just think you know space elves are cool and they should show them off more. Well, they they had a whole series where one of them was in like every episode. Well, and you yeah. can watch and that was Voyager. You can watch oh, Star Trek Discovery where the the protagonist is human who was raised by vulcans man that would suck yeah, yeah. That would suck to be a human raised by vulcans <laughs> a little bit also uh, that's like this... wharf being raised by humans too i bet it's the same kind of thing yeah but also uh this actress is tasha valenza who was the one who played sniper wolf in metal gear solid no way oh wow really what uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Damn. Oh my god. She's a good cast for that character then. Uh and then <laughs> there's also the blue alien with who has the vape pen mouthpiece. Um so Wesley uh I just wrote down Wesley confirmed 15 years old. I don't remember why that came up, but uh, somebody asks his age and I guess is uh, aren't you young to be here? Oh yeah, the, the Vulcan asks him, "Aren't you a little young to be here?" And he's like, "I'm 15. I'll be 16 next month." 15 and, was- and a half. Wesley walks over and introduces himself to the blue guy whose name is Mordok, and he's a Benzite. Uh, and Wesley's heard of him. He has his own strategy named after him, even though he's presumably around Wesley's age. I guess yeah. older. But um, I want to know. Like, I thought the, you were already in the academy. I want to know what the Mordok strategy is. They didn't say what it's about. The Mordok strategy is whenever you have an RGB vape and you vape it all the time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's something that you do in StarCraft or something. I don't know. I imagine it's got to be something to whip out flight or something. Um, but so then a lieutenant walks in. I think it is lieutenant anyway, and uh, tells them all to take their seats. He introduces himself as Attack Officer Chang, which what does that mean? What is Attack Officer? He's an officer um, in charge of tactical. I used to know this. It has a, it's, it's something. It's a thing. It's definitely a thing. I'm going to look this yeah. up right now. I just assumed it was tactical and wrote that down, but um, I don't... Like, is it something to do with education? Or? Yeah, it has to do with education. It's the primary cadet uh, developer and legal commander of a cadet company. Oh, okay, huh. yeah. All right, that makes sense. Um, so apparently there's only one spot at the academy between the four of them, so they're all competing against each other for that spot. And, and uh, uh, Chang- uh, oh, I was just going to say, uh, it actually stands for uh, Training, Advising, and Counseling. Oh, not tactical like you think. Yeah, yeah. I'm I just assumed say, it was abbreviated tactical, and I was like, "That's weird." I'm going to say this is stupid that you get one spot for this particular location of test. That's the, dumb. That the, doesn't it, make sense. It makes yeah. no sense. Like that. That can't be how it's done, right? Where they just like, okay, four at a time. One of you gets to go. The rest of you wait a year. Like that's it's like yeah. you're not going to get anything done that way. Like, are you kidding me? 
No, I assume it had to be narrowed down in some other capacity. And they were just saying, like, of the four of you, there's only a spot for one of you out of your results or whatever. Like, that's what I, ha- I assume has to be the case and not just, oh, the four of you showed up. So, yeah, one of you gets in. Well, that's how it works. That's I the rules. Well, Picard was talking about how he failed his. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but the, the Starfleet well, you- knows best. Yeah, you'd think it would be not a competition, but like uh, just a baseline, like you have to get this level of score to get in. Yeah. You know, but instead of like, oh, no, you're directly competing with these other three kids. Good luck. You think, you think it'd be like a bar exam or like a like a medical like uh, or like, you know, after medical school, like you get assigned to like a hospital or, or again, like after a bar exam, like you're certified to work at a uh, an agency or something, not just yeah. like. Well, okay, you have one chance a year to get, you know, assigned to some kind of detail. And if you don't get that chance, you have to wait a fucking year. Have fun. Like, that's yeah, it, crazy. it doesn't make any sense. No. Um, well, and it was well, actually they're, they're testing to get into Starfleet Academy, which is just a military school. Like, it's no, not even... right. That makes no sense. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not even going to join Starfleet. They're just going to Starfleet Academy. Um, so I guess it's just a very competitive environment as what we're learning but i think it's it's really they might have just wrote that to make it more exciting which oh i didn't read the the specs of this episode shit um (laughs) coming of age first aired on march 14th 1988 was written by sandy fries and rewritten by hannah louise shearer uncredited uh directed by mike vihar and uh so then anyway (laughs) Mm -hmm. tells them that this will be a difficult but exciting time and they expect the unexpected. And so everybody just turns around. They have like this uh, four computer consoles that look like arcade um, cabinets. And they all just like turn and face them away from the corner of the room. Like you're in a circle facing out. I'm not describing this very well, but it's very funny. I thought yeah, the they're exam all facing is away from each the other. The exam is they're just going to play Daytona, Daytona USA. Uh, whoever no. wins gets in. Obviously, they're going to play The Last Starfighter. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be huh? flying here. You know, drive in space. Uh, so on the enterprise we've got uh commander remick is um is a uh, just a kind of taking notes around everybody with uh what looks like it looks like a big red calculator but there's a shot later where oh my god you guys i freaked out because they show it so clearly that it is a tiger electronics handheld toy that he's using <laughs> is it really i wasn't looking for that no. yeah i posted a screenshot look in the screenshots log uh because it it really like i think they just taped on some extra buttons to it or glued some extra buttons to it to make it look less like a toy but you definitely see it. it's just a tiger electronics toy i know it, those buttons it extremely is look at that holy shit <laughs> it's good but he's, it, he's walking around taking his notes on this uh football game and um, <laughs> uh data's like can i help you uh and he just tells him to keep doing whatever you're doing here at the at the con and um walks over to jordy and does the same thing and and jordy's like uh you know we're not really doing anything right now i don't know why you're staring over my shoulder um and uh Riker is immediately like okay i'm gonna find out what's going on here and and uh goes to talk to captain picard in the ready room and says he he wants to be informed and he should be informed and picard's like i agree you should be and just doesn't say anything Picard avoids the questions, <laughs> um, but tells Riker that he doesn't know what it is that's being investigated. But even if he did know, he couldn't tell him. Uh, and when he leaves the ready room, Remick wants to talk to him uh, and he like refuses like a real pouty baby and is like, no, I have, I have work to do and goes to the turbo lift. It's like Riker's, Riker's just having a tantrum about this. <laughs> he's, he's so he does upset. really have a tantrum about it. It's really like 
I don't want to say it's uncharacteristic because that kind of is how he's behaved this season, but mm-hmm. he shouldn't be behaving that way. He's a fucking <laughs> first officer of this starship. I want to know what's going on. Um, I, you know what? I'm going to have a tantrum about this too. Like every single segment is just this scene over and over again of what's going on. I can't tell you what's going on, but I want to know what's going on. You're not ready to know yet. It's just like some <laughs> variation of that between some variation of like some combination of two characters over and over and over. it's a terrible storyline <laughs> well i thought it was kind of cute because what they do is actually uh they have well, they Remick, reference like, the yeah, yeah they have Remick interview interview people and reference all the previous episodes and i, yeah. I thought that was like kind of cute but it, it is kind of boring it's kind of thin that's yeah. your reward for not skipping anything is this my reward for them to be like hey remember <laughs> when this happened and you're like i do yeah when that happened and then they stop talking about it <laughs> Yeah, it's a little uh, early to be playing to this note, I feel like, in the show, but whatever. Um, so during the test uh, down on the planet, they're calculating the intermix ratio of matter and antimatter, which I thought this was this was good because we were talking about this uh, a couple oh. episodes ago. Um, and actually, I did know the answer to this for, for what it would be because the crease <laughs> talked about it. Yeah, but they're they're mm-hmm. uh, the, the, it's like a word problem. Uh, what's the intermix ratio of matter and antimatter to reach a starbase warp eight? And uh, Wesley just kind of smirks and answers it correctly right away. And the answer is just one one. That's the ratio. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so it shows like uh, Mordok gets it, and then also Tishanik the Vulcan gets it, and then the human girl fucks it up and doesn't get it. Um, How do you not get it? It's the only mixture of the two. It can't be anything else. It's a <laughs> lot of pressure. Yeah, after they all answer they, and time's up, they stand up and Mordok compliments Wesley on getting it so fast. And he's like, oh, I knew right away it was a trick question because the ratio is always 1-1. And then Oleana walks over. He's like, man, you guys are so lucky that you're so smart because I'm so dumb. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what she said. <laughs> to, be, was, to be fair, if it's like if it can only, if anti if matter and antimatter can only be mixed one to one, it's like it's like asking like okay, if your house is on fire and then you add two plus two, what is the answer? It's like don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't. It's, it's but. seven because the house is on fire. Ah! <laughs> no, it's it's three because one of the numbers burned away. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh and um <laughs> wesley's trying to tell her like no i have to study all the time which is fair because he does study all the time like he's yeah he doesn't get any time to himself that poor boy um and she just goes it's a good thing you're cute wesley or you could be really obnoxious wrote that line down <laughs> word for word <laughs> where's the lie uh, and Where's Wesley's immediately like smitten by her too and she walks away and is like oh she called me cute <laughs> <laughs> She called you obnoxious, dude. <laughs> and Mordok's like, is that good? And Wesley goes, yeah, I, I think. <laughs> Wesley's confused again about relationships. Um, so then uh, He's Ellie Enterprise all Bridge. The time. He doesn't have uh, time for this. We're getting this, the same thing. Remick's talking to Riker. And uh, we do find out when, when Remick's interviewing Riker that... Um, it seems like he's investigating Captain Picard because he's asking about discrepancies in the captain's log. And uh, Riker doesn't want to answer the questions because he's like, you should ask the captain directly, which is not how investigations work, Commander Riker. You should know this. But um, I know, really. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's it. It looks like you might be investigating Captain Picard. And we also see him later in engineering talking to Jordy now about uh, the where no one has gone before episode where they went, uh, lost control of the ship and went way off into nowhere. Mm hmm. 
uh, which was the first mm-hmm. cute reference. And then he's asking Troy about the captain's emotional state and uh, if he'd had any, any mental lapses. And they bring up the battle. Call that more than a mental lapse. That was like a mental, yeah. mental well, catastrophe. He was being controlled. What, he was being controlled. He's being. Yeah, that's what Troy tries to tell him. It's like he was being controlled by a device. And oh, well, I would call that losing control. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're such I, an asshole. I really liked when he was talking to Jordy. He's like, you know, it says here the crew didn't think very highly of Mr. Kaczynski, but you allowed him to access the engines anyway. And Jordy's like, Yes, but that's not really what happened. And he says, so I'm hearing you say yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Remick, you piece of shit. <laughs> he is a piece of shit. And also, like Jordy points out to him, uh, we were ordered to let that guy fuck with the engines. We didn't have a choice in that. I know. That's like crazy, right? That like, how can you get in like their business about that whenever they're ordered to by Spirits from Starfleet? So like, what? What what what's what's he accusing them of doing then at that point? He's a little too over enthusiastic about uh being the bad cop when he does not have a good cop to make this work. This no. is this is the biggest case of his life. He's really relishing the opportunity. <laughs> well, um, it's I like think- it, I get that he's like supposed to be doing like this like secret like kind of investigation about trying to find some kind of nebulous thing, but because there's seemingly they, they didn't actually write the thing they're looking for in actuality it just seems like all of his questions are just kind of like they come off as asshole-ish beforehand and even after you know what he, what he's doing they still kind of come off as asshole-ish because you just you, we don't know what he's looking for at all at any point ever yeah no i think he is just being an asshole <laughs> like really he's trying to do his job but he's also not great at it he's, yeah. he's maybe he's just really frustrated because he's like there's nothing wrong on this ship but he said there was something wrong on the ship and i'm trying to find it and all, all these people are lying to me I worked here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that moment at the end of the episode. Uh, so then we see uh, Wesley's leaning against the wall of the holodeck, and uh, Worf walks in, and he's like, well, "What are you doing up here? You're supposed to be on the planet." And um, he sounds like he has a cold. Worf does, I thought. Oh. Um, but <laughs> Worf uh, goes to leave. He's like, "Oh, well, you know, I see. You wanted to be alone." And Wesley's like, "Well, I thought I wanted to be alone, but..." Um, but I guess I don't. And I, I was like, why, why is he hanging out in the holodeck if he wants to be alone? But he does reveal that he's like wanting to figure out to, something to prepare himself for the psych test. Because apparently for the exam, they, they give you a psych test where they test you on your deepest fear. But Wesley mm-hmm. doesn't know what his deepest fear is, so he doesn't know what's coming in the test. Um, and Worf is like, uh, well, they know it because they're analyzing your psychological profile and they, uh, they're really accurate about it. I can tell you from experience. Um, and Wesley's like, I thought nothing could frighten a Klingon warrior. And uh, what does Worf say, McFreeze? He says, only fools have no fear. <laughs> <laughs> but he does uh, reveal to... Go ahead. Oh, no, uh, uh, finish this up, then I'll ask. Oh, uh, but he does reveal to Wesley that his deepest fear was just that... Um, he doesn't want to leave his life in the hands of others to rely on the uh, others for his life. And that's what they tested him on. Yeah. Right. And Wesley says, so you eventually you learn to overcome that. And Warp says, no, I'm still dealing with that all the time. Which I, 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 I like. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, it's this like thing he's always kind of struggling through. But like. You know, he he learns to just kind of grit his teeth and deal with like his own insecurity in that matter. 
Yeah, I think that ties in nicely with the episode that follows us immediately that we'll be talking about later, too, where it's yeah. just a good wharf moments and a good thread of, of wharf thoughts. Um, what I was going to ask is, OK, so Wesley does not know what his greatest fears are. Uh, McFreeze and Merck, do you guys know what your greatest fears are? honestly for something like this i wouldn't know either like because there's a lot of things that they could make it uh and i would i would have some guesses i could hazard but i don't really want to share them on the podcast. <laughs> well, well i i i could i can tell you 100 percent. i have a crippling fear of like heights like i'm terrible on like I, i've been on like lighthouses i've been on like high towers like it is i can't even get like close to windows sometimes like awful 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 um if if I ever was put into the the Starfleet hell chamber of exposing your fears, it would one hundred percent be like me somehow being on top of like a high building or some something tall. Definitely, I I feel like you shouldn't join Starfleet if this is your fear, Hayes, because you have to go up really high a lot. <laughs> well, space space is very different. That doesn't count. And I'm not. Okay. I'm, I don't have a problem with like planes or anything for some reason. It's like specifically being like, uh on on the ground in a in a big building or something and just like be, being able to see that that height with no control yeah or like, like the edge of a cliff or something i get it i think that's yeah. pretty normal for a fear of heights yeah it's it's a good one yeah i think though it's probably gonna be more of a like uh i don't know a, it's more likely to be something involving i think the line of duty. dealing with dealing with the your crewmates well i feel like uh like hey's fear could definitely come into play in a test like this though because that is an important thing to have control over right you know yeah what if, I, uh, what if i need to rescue someone and they're right next like inside of a ship and they're right like below some kind of like cavernous thing inside the ship for whatever reason yeah and there's a tiger in there and there's a tiger <laughs> and that was the sweetest strawberry i ever had um, that was a King of the Hill reference. You should watch that show. It's good. Um, I'm working my but, way through it. I'm not there yet. <laughs> oh, I'm telling that to the listeners. I didn't know you hadn't watched all of that. You should definitely do that, too. Watch more TV, Hayes. More, oh. more. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think if you had like arachnophobia or something, they wouldn't necessarily test on that. But Fear of Heights, I could definitely see. Uh, mine, mine would definitely be a social thing of some kind. I don't know what, though, exactly. Yeah, same. To... There's, there's a lot to choose from <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a whole bevy of options you have to uh order a new part for the enterprise but you have to call someone up and do a really lengthy no! conversation to do no! it <laughs> no! that might actually be my deepest fear <laughs> <laughs> can't believe the online portal is broken no um so uh, then uh, then we get the the my favorite scene in this episode uh next which i'm excited about uh, talking about but on the bridge uh Riker and picard are going over some routine maintenance bullshit and an alarm suddenly sounds uh they have unauthorized entry in the main shuttle bay and also remix on the bridge for this by the way of course because he's, he's always there with his tiger electronics thing um and they try to lock lock the person out of the bay but he uses the flight emergency override code and uh they realize it's also jake from the start of the episode uh wesley's friend who didn't make it to the test um and he gets in he's flying away on the on the shuttlecraft and they hail him and he says he's going to beltane nine to sign on to a freighter tell my dad i'm sorry and picard's just like get back here <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> um jake refuses he's like no i'm leaving and then he immediately fucks up and damages oh, the no. shuttle <laughs> and it starts losing power which Aww. 
This might be why you didn't pass the test, Jake. I'm just saying. He instantly fucks up the engine with the dilithiums, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like he's going to blow up. Within, within seconds. Within you know, <laughs> 30 seconds of taking off, he's going to blow it up. Uh, and it's uh, at his trajectory, he's going to crash into the planet and die. Uh, and the crew, like, this is a really good scene where the crew on the bridge immediately starts discussing options. You know, they're like really on top of it. Like, oh, we could, we could, uh, could we use a tractor beam? Could we beam him in? Like, no, he's too far away for that. He's too far away for that. Uh, and um, Remick tells Picard, you're completely responsible for this child's life. I hope you what the hell, Remick? He's helping, okay. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, Picard's like standards in terms of letting children in random parts of the ship. Like, he shouldn't be allowing this to happen all the time, the way it does. Well, he's, like, 20. I mean, he's not a child. And also, they, they point out to Remick later that he's also um, a candidate for, for Starfleet. So he's, he's been in training and stuff. Sure. That's why he do the sure. Codes. But he still so has unauthorized a- uh, access to the port. Like, no one, you shouldn't. Yeah. You know. They should have better security, maybe. Well, it, it's oh. crazy that you have alarms for unauthorized access, but not fucking locks. <laughs> Listen. That would go against the utopia of the future. That, that is true, honestly. They probably don't worry about that because it's the flagship of the Federation and they don't have, like, concerns about that kind of thing happening. But they possibly they should because obviously it happens. Um, <laughs> so they get they get Jake back on, on visuals and Picard is, like, uh, trying to tell him, like, you need to restart the engine. Just uh, It needs to be pulled up so that you don't crash and burn. You know, you got to relax and and he's like it won't restart it needs to cool down for like a certain amount of time and by the time the engine is able to restart uh he's gonna be too far into the planet so they're all like oh god what are we gonna do but picard's like i got this uh and he just tells him you know you need to just aim the nose of the shuttle directly at the planet and he's like what that's crazy (laughs) no no trust me just aim it directly at the planet uh and so he does this, and then he he tells him, like, okay, when your speed hits a certain amount, then you need to restart the engine and pull up hard. And so they're, they're carefully going through the time and counting the speeds down and, and walking him through it. And everybody in the bridge is just, like, breath held, like, waiting to see what's going to happen. Is this child going to die? Including Remick. And um, but they restarts the engine right at the right right time and pulls up hard. And he he gets away. He bounces off the atmosphere of the planet, and then everybody on the, the bridge immediately starts cheering. Yeah, including Remick. Yeah, Remick does a big fist bump. <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah. I love it. Whoa, yeah. Um, and they they tell Jake, "Okay, you can't limp this home." He's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry." I just love. <laughs> I just love even in the space future utopia, there's still kids trying to run away to the fucking circus. Yeah, hey. it's good. <laughs> you just That's do just that. What happens? I just I really love that scene though. I feel like it's just a really good scene of the bridge crew just working together to solve a problem, and Captain yeah. Picard really shines and is like, "Okay, you just need to calmly do this." I just I just like at the end, Dramic's like, "Well, that was great, Captain. You know, I'm very impressed, but you shouldn't let this kid be stealing the shuttles. What the <laughs> fuck?" His complete 180 there was really funny because he's immediately like, everybody's relieved, including him. He's really like, wow, you guys are really impressive. That was really cool. And then he goes to scold the captain. Like, well, how did he get access to the shuttle in the first place? To to be fair, how is he both able to get onto the uh, the port without any problems? But somehow he also has authorization to activate a shuttle on his own. That's not okay. You can't just do that, right? 
Well, it's you because it's part of his training. Seems like you can just do it. Turn it on and go. Exactly. That, that, that's what I mean. You just like press a button and it's like, I am on. Hello. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just press start and it goes. I, okay, that's fair. It's like a, it's like a forklift. No, even forklifts have keys. What am I talking about? <laughs> well, I'm sure the key is just an authorization code, and he had that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he had he had it because of his training. Okay, it had the keys were just hanging on the wall by the yeah, door. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, so we're back on the planet, and Wesley's walking through the hallways with Mordock and an ensign. Which is this is also a good scene, by the way. Um, this is my second favorite scene in this episode. Oh, my God. Uh, or maybe third. I don't know. <laughs> but and, and Ensign walks up to them, who's like twice Wesley's size, and stops him and says, hey, I, I got a package for operations. Where is it? And Wesley points behind him. He's like, oh, yeah, it's over there. And the Ensign, like, bumps into him as he walks by and then immediately starts to pick a fight with him. Ah, what are you, doing? You, you bumped into me. Ah. I'm walking here. <laughs> yeah. And Wesley's trying to apologize to him. Uh, like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. And the guy's just still angry, like, ah, oh, you're a fucker, I'm gonna kick your ass. And uh, <laughs> Officer Chang walks up and asks if there's a problem, and the ensign's still like, ah. And then Wesley just kind of like eyes him up and down and starts like giving him shit back and calling him a liar, say, hey, you bumped into me. And they threaten him, like, hey, you want me to get your ass kicked? And then the ensign I, just cracks. I love this. He's like, do you want this to become violent? <laughs> in the scariest voice he can muster which is not, not very, very scary <laughs> but it was good you know it was actually as good as he could do so did a good job and then the ensign just cracks a smile and is like hey friend i like you and walks away and mordok that's a very strange reaction says mordok and as he explains that he saw the man's webbed hand which i did not see did he have a webbed hand he did. I he didn't see it. i'm okay. sure it was but i didn't notice i the never man, look at people's hands yeah he, he had michael phelps hands no, <laughs> Michael Phelps was an alien all along. Oh, um, ah. but uh, Wesley realized that from that the man was Zaldin, who's a race that gets infuriated by courtesy, which doesn't sound like a cool race of aliens to me. <laughs> it seems like you're probably not a good fit for Starfleet in this. Maybe no, not. The, no. The, the, the asshole race. Like <laughs> I don't know how he got on a crew, but. <laughs> Well, this is why he's just delivering packages. He's not actually on a crew. No one wants him. Oh. This guy can't learn or say I'm sorry ever. <laughs> but Chang congratulates Wesley. What was the, the thing they were saying? Like, oh, we, they, they just hate human culture and how, like, everyone's always just, like, putting on all the time. And it's just like, I get that. But, like, why, why is your, your answer to that that you only respond to, like, put on, like, anger in, in response? That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. You know, oh, I figured this guy should be uh, negotiating with Ferengi. That could be his job. <gasps> he would be so good at it, wouldn't he? <laughs> he would just tell him to fuck off all the time. Yeah, it'd be great. He'd love. No, he'd be like talking. To- he'd be talking to the Ferengi, and the Ferengi would just be like telling him to fuck off, and he'd be like, "Wow, thanks, guys. Thanks for being honest. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your honesty." Um, uh, but uh, Chen congratulates Wesley. The whole thing was just an arranged test. So maybe the Zaldans don't actually act like that <laughs> normally. But mm-hmm. this one did. Um, and Chen walks away and Mordog's like, well, I would have failed that test. If that was me. You're smart, Wesley. We do get a little bit of uh, Wesley oh. flating a, a bit in this episode. But it's, oh, it oh, comes a from bit. a better place, at least. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, from his 
peers. You know, it's not it's not from the adults around him going like, "Wow, Wesley, you saved the day again. What would we do without you?" It's it's just like other kids being like, "Yeah, you're you try really hard, Wesley. You're good." It's it, it's him doing well at things meant that that are meant for him to be like tested on, not him solving like engineer problems that they can't figure out. So you know, it's it's all right. Yeah, it works out. Yeah. And so then we get this montage, which I'm not going to talk about because uh, it's the same kind of crap earlier where Remix interviewing everybody and bringing up previous episodes. But I did want to note that, like, the way they do the transitions in this scene is insane. I love this. <laughs> I, I, I like double take whenever they did the transition to Worf. <laughs> <laughs> it fucked with me so bad because I was like, wait a minute. How did Worf get in the room? So what they do is, like, he's talking to Data and Data tells him something and turns his, like, monitor towards him, towards Remick. And then Remick immediately, like, the camera's on him, turns it back, and there's Worf's reflection in it, and he just is questioning Worf. Like, that's the transition. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's great. They do this repeatedly with, with, like, three people. He also, he tries to get, he tries to get Crusher to say that she likes Picard, and she's not having it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. she's well, like, it, why? Why? What? This isn't very relevant, sir. You know, it, it wasn't even. It wasn't even that, uh, right? It was um, like, oh, how, how do you feel uh, serving with someone who was kind of involved in your husband's like demise, right? Yeah. Well, she speci- he specifically asked her what her feelings about Picard were. Uh, right. And right. I'm sure he meant it from that place of like, don't you hate that guy because he's your he's like it's his fault your husband's dead. Yeah, and she's think, like, fuck well, off. I read, I think I read that originally she was going to say that she liked Picard, but then they wrote it out of the episode. Good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it. yeah, they should. That would have been stupid. Yes. It would have been really stu- Well, actually, she twirls her hair on her finger. I kind of like him. <laughs> okay, that would have been good. He's cute. <laughs> There's um, a lot about French history. He really does. He oh, loves yeah. rats. <laughs> he um, never stops talking about it. <laughs> and this this whole montage does end with Picard's patience really running out with uh with Remick and saying, like, this investigation is like really interfering with operations here. You need to finish this shit up. Like you're not finding anything. You know, well, uh, shut up. Are I'm you are you it. afraid that if I keep looking, I'll find that you're guilty? <laughs> Picard's like, okay, shut the fuck up, dude. Poor Remick. <laughs> <laughs> but Picard goes to talk to the admiral who's been on board this whole time, demanding to know what's going on and that he won't tolerate this anymore because this is really like messing with everybody. Uh, and the admiral reassures him, like, the full report's almost ready. Don't worry. And Picard's like, all right, well, I want to hear it when he's when he's ready. Uh, and he, oh, that was always my intention. And then I guess almost ready means he's ready in like two minutes because he immediately calls in Remick for it. <laughs> yeah. But we instead go to see Wesley. They're doing another test. Uh Looks like some kind of chemical bonds thing to me. I don't know what they called it. Oh, dynamic relationships test. I don't know what the fuck this is. It was a 3D cube that was like spinning around and around and around a bunch of red dots surrounding it. And you had to somehow align the red dots into the cube. It did not. It was not clear to me at all what they're doing. I don't know what it was. It seemed like a Rubik's cube kind of thing. It was it a. It, it was a Rubik's cube, but where you had to color the Rubik's like, cube. But there's like. 200 dots in the cube instead of nine it, yeah it was very unclear what it was supposed to be it was awesome but wesley is like <laughs> flying through it and we see uh mordok's kind of really struggling with it and so is uh Deshonic and oleana seems to be doing well on it um but mordok is really doing badly and he's like oh i'm really fucking this up man i'm gonna die i'm gonna lose and wesley is like 
while he's doing his own test, trying to coach Mordok because he's a good guy. He's over there like, like, no, Mordok, you can do this. Just uh, just concentrate on your Z-axis or whatever. And like turning towards him and just like, it's okay. Just calm down. You're going to do it. And then Mordok beats him. Mordok finishes it before he does. Yeah. Yeah, you got to put in the 43D4040. Um, he, th- th- this is, uh, this is bullshit, by the way. This is bullshit. The testing is supposed to be about your own individual abilities. Both Mordok and Wesley should have been disqualified, if you ask me. But mm. sometimes your own individual abilities are asking others for help. Listen, I've done a lot of testing. Mm-hmm. I know this is bullshit. Listen, it is listen. kind of bullshit. Wait, wait, Wesley, yeah, Wesley, should like, not be, Wesley should not be giving you shortcuts to this, this brat that doesn't know well, it's like shit. That's why we're enlightened in the future. We're not like your 20th century tests here. Damn. Oh, well, and uh, Chen comes in and um, Mordok is trying to say the same thing. Like, well, I, Wesley helped me. That shouldn't be like I should take points against that, you know. And Chen's like, oh, yeah, we know. That was an interesting choice he made to help you considering you guys are in competition here. You definitely so shouldn't that- say that, right? <laughs> like, you shouldn't be telling, like, oh, this one, this guy's doing really great, Wesley. Don't want to help him out too much. Like, what the Well, he's, sh- he's trying to see if Wesley's going to turn heel on him or not. Oh, I see. He's trying to bait him. Um, <laughs> Wesley's going to put a caterpillar in his boot in the next scene. Well, that might also be why they don't uh, count against, like, getting help from other people, because that just seems like somebody else shooting himself in the foot. Like, that's part of the test is, are you going to shoot yourself in the foot by being a good teammate? Mm. I don't know. It doesn't yes. make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> but Chang also tells them that they have an hour until their final test, the psychological evaluation exam. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I like the psychological test, too. But back on the Enterprise, we got Remick going over his report with the Admiral while Picard is there watching. And Remick's like... I'm real sorry, Admiral. I tried real hard, but there's nothing <laughs> wrong on this ship. Aww. He's so sad about it. He's like, I checked every- everyone, checked all the logs and everything. No one's corrupt here. It sucks. <laughs> I feel bad yeah. for him. He tried his best. He really did. And he, he tells him that like the only thing he could find wrong was maybe a little too familiarity among the bridge crew. And that's only because they're all so close. They're like family. <laughs> <laughs> And then as yeah. he's walking out the door, he's he's moping, he's walking towards the door, he turns around one last time, he says, I would love I would, I would be honored to serve here. Yeah, he's like, My tour yeah. duty is gonna be up in a few months. I would love to serve here next. And Captain McCarr just kind of looks at him like, Really, dude? <laughs> hey, he's fucking dedicated to his work. I would hire yeah. him. He's tried really hard. And then the Admiral Quinn tells Picard the same thing, like, don't judge him too harshly. He's a good officer. Um and uh picard's like oh i'm judging you like what the hell's going on here and quinn finally tells him like i I had to be certain about you because i think there's some kind of conspiracy happening that might threaten the entire federation Hmm. (laughs) which what like oh okay um i really have to ask this now does this ever come back oh boy does it oh okay (laughs) are you wondering if there's an episode called conspiracy later oh my god (laughs) you will not you will not be prepared you will not say a single other word (laughs) about that if anybody listening to this spoils this for haste i will kill you i will kill you again go into this blind um anyway quinn's solution for this is he wants to promote picard to admiral 
and have him take over the academy as commandant, which I don't know how this solves anything. <laughs> what, what does this have to do with anything? Hello? <laughs> I think he like, gives was... like some lip service about like, oh, you've got a guy, the next generation or whatever. This, this makes no sense at all. Well, he says something too, like he wants Picard closer to him, like actually on Earth uh, where he can help, I guess. But it still doesn't make any fucking sense. No. <laughs> Picard's yeah. like, oh, that sounds like politics to me, dude. I don't think this is uh, right for me. I'm not a political kind of guy. That's bullshit, but, by Picard the way. says that he Picard, hates politics and gaming. Picard loves politics. Yeah, <laughs> wait. <laughs> um, but he, he, he can't decide right away. I don't, I don't feel like this is true. He loves to negotiate. He loves diplomacy. He's always <laughs> playing it. Um, and uh, the admiral tells him, "You need to decide soon." So he's like, "All right, well, you'll have your answer tonight." Um, in uh, meanwhile, on the planet, Wesley's waiting in the hallway, and Chang tells him that Mordok's almost done with his psych test. Uh, and Mordok leaves the room looking so sad. His hands uh, are shaking. He's fucked <laughs> up. See, something he's... bad went down there. He, he he rips the saddest vape I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's uh, Wesley's turn. Yeah, well, first Wesley asks Mordok if he's going to be all right. And Mordok's like, I will eventually. Aw. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> but now uh, it's your turn, Wesley. Good luck. Um, and he goes in the room and it's just a chair and he sits in his chair and he's he's waiting and nobody's coming. You know, Hello, I'm here for my test. He's like talking to himself. Maybe they forgot about me. <laughs> that's <laughs> relatable really honestly yeah but he hears an explosion outside the door so he's like oh shit i better go see what's going on and he goes to check it out and uh there's like screaming happening behind the door uh and more explosions are going off and alarms and so he goes in there and it's like the environmental lab and he's like calling for help too like hey so there's an explosion somebody help um and there's a guy he when he opens the door underneath a pipe like crushed under a pipe that's ruptured and there's a um, white stuff spraying everywhere there's uh, a there's a pipe it was the uh, broken uh, entirely in half, and the pipe says cryogenic liquids on it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, they were talking about how there was like a cryo leak in the lab, and yeah. Uh, and uh, the, the guy needs uh, Wesley's help being dragged out of the room because his legs are fucking crushed. Wesley and just fucking also- lifts a pipe that this dude is being crushed under. What, can we talk yeah. about that? Super strength, Wesley, Wes? Wesley eats his Wheaties. He trains, Apparently, he holy shit. He's doing, he's got the stress adrenaline, you know? Yeah. He can, you can do you anything. Can accomplish, accomplish great feats when you got that adrenaline. But there's also a guy in the corner who is using his adrenaline to cower in the corner because he's terrified. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm too scared. It's cold. I can't go through there. <laughs> and so and, Wesley's dragging out the older man and telling him like, hey, I can't drag you both out. You got to, because the, the door is going to seal is the, the crux of it. Um, yeah. So that to prevent the explosion from destroying the entire facility. Uh, and so Wesley's yelling at him like, hey, you got to get through that door. You got to go. I can't drag you out. And um, he, the guy just ignores him like, I, I can't. It's scary. Wesley's dragging the guy through the ice spray saying, you can go through it. Look, I'm doing it. He's like, no, I can't very do that. Too. He's super slowly. Clearly it does not affect him very much. <laughs> no. I mean, that's true. It's chilly, but obviously it's not going to kill you. Well, uh, no. I, so think, I think if you, I think if you actually get sprayed by that shit, that shit that, that will that will fuck you up. Probably not good for you. Yeah. Possibly not. No, but listen, it's obviously fine because Wesley's slowly dragging an old man through it, <laughs> <laughs> and they finally get out of the door and it slams shut. And then uh, Chang walks up and and Wesley's like, "Oh, thank God you're here, that guy!" And he's like, "Congratulations, Wesley, you passed your test." <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Fucked up. You can't do this to somebody. <laughs> and the and- man immediately stands up and walks. Up. 
But my, no, my favorite part, my, my favorite part is the the door is open and the guy that was like cowering in the corner finally comes out. And he just like yeah. gives like Wes like a wink and walks away. Yeah, <laughs> he just perfect. gives him like a slight He's smile. Like, like, sorry about that. <laughs> so good. Did you have fun with your test? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Wesley's just shell shocked because he's like, but a man could have died. And then he realizes that his greatest fear was actually that he wouldn't be able to decide to sacrifice someone's life uh, to save someone else's because that's exactly what happened to his father and Captain Picard. So, okay, I like the idea of this situation a lot. I think this part of the episode would have been a million times better if the episode was like actually built up towards it at all, because we still don't really know what happened with Wesley's father. And it's all kind of like vagueish about like, you know, obviously Picard had to make some kind of decision that left his fa- that left Wesley's father to die. So he could like, you know, save some other people or somehow some other way. I get that. They should have given us the backstory on that at like the start of this episode or something to kind of flesh out this whole moment for Wesley Moore. I feel like that would have been a way better payoff. Rather than yeah. rather than Chang explaining to the audience, hey, your father died whenever, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but when a decision was made that he had to be left behind, but you were able to work your way through the problem. So good job, Wes. Like he just like directly tells you yeah. what what the what the like kind of the moral quandary quandary for Wes would be like. It probably could have been done better. I feel like there's a lost opportunity there. They really briefly tried to do that with Dr. Crusher in that, in that scene where she's being uh, interrogated. and he, For and like Remick 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah, but it is something that you feel like we should have a more elaborate backstory. And, you know, when I watch this episode, I think like, oh, that seems like something good that they should explore in a later episode. Because I really would like to know that full story. I don't think they ever do. Do they make freeze? I don't feel I don't like they do. I don't think so. No. Yeah. That seems crazy I don't know if it me. comes up. It seems like a layup with all the, like, the kind of the groundwork they've done at this point for it. Yeah, like, absolutely. And I wonder if that's something they planned and it just kind of fell apart and never happened. Yeah, I wonder. I know, maybe, maybe they were going to do it in season two and then, oh, we <laughs> forgot yeah. to have Crusher on the show. That I hope it, I hope it, might be what happened. I hope it does actually happen and it's just a really bad episode that you guys have repressed. It, it could also be it. I wouldn't say that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's mentioned when uh, when Doctor Crusher is on Earth and there's a Scottish ghost. What? <laughs> oh my god! I'm so excited. I, I would have Don't no be. idea if it happened then. It would be un un unpresent in my mind ever i have watched that episode once and never again and i don't remember anything that happens in it except being like incredibly bored oh my god anyway it's, that's not until season seven hey so yeah. <laughs> oh. that's a long long ways away payoff that's oh. why i figured i could mention it you'll totally forget about it by then <laughs> oh scottish, my god, episode, scottish so- ghost what are you talking about oh it's such a bad episode okay anyway. <laughs> awful oh where were we you know um, i put, so, this, so... I put my notes in uh in word so that i could uh like make a note of what i've actually read and not get lost so much and then i've been forgetting to do that this entire time. <laughs> right, so so uh, so, uh, so was, was just being yeah. told how great of a job he did by cheng after uh pulling uh the guy out of the uh, chamber yeah and, yeah and we we go to picard's ready room and Riker comes in and say oh guess what the investigation is over and you can tell the crew that Admiral Quinn is very impressed. And then uh, Picard tells Riker that he got the offer to Starfleet Academy. 
And Riker's like, oh, congratulations. But then he's like looking at Card's face. He's like, oh, you haven't decided what you're going to do yet. And Picard has the absolutely impeccable line. He says, oh, yes, I have, number one. I'm going for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) I like that line. I bet bet Riker really wants uh, Picard to actually take the job because then he can have Picard's job and he can be commander of the Enterprise, right? right? I'm not even sure if he would be. Like, I don't think it works that way. I don't think you just get promoted when the other guy leaves. I'm sure they'd bring in another captain. Yeah, Uh, he would probably... He would either stay or... He because he does get offered uh, captaincies of other ships a few times yeah, in the but show, but not the Enterprise, obviously, because Picard is here. But um, I think that's right. how it works: is like you're not just going to immediately become a captain and get the flagship of the Federation. You have to work your way up to that, even as a captain. That makes sense. Yeah. So, but he's uh, either way on the planet. Chang is giving the results to the applicants, and Mordok is the big winner. Yay! He Yay! tells him. Like, he slightly beat you, Wesley. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Owned, Wesley. That means Owned. you don't get certified for shit. You don't get to go to Super Starfleet School. You get nothing. <laughs> and Mordok also is going to be the first Benzite in Starfleet, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, the first, first blue alien guy. Um, Vaping towards a new future. <laughs> uh, do, they, Wesley, do, do, do we ever find out what the, the vape pen thing is all about? I think it's just what they breathe, dude. I guess. Well, wouldn't it be like well, a, a mask or something and not just like loose gas like near his mouth? Maybe it's <laughs> more comfortable for him. I guess so. Yeah, that's just what they need. It's just a little bit of vape constantly all, all day long. What, what uh, if and Tally they... and uh, Mass Effect just had a vape thing in front of her mouth the whole time? That'd be cool. It would have been badass. <laughs> I'm sorry, go on. Have you not played Mass Effect? Wait, 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 wait. You've not played no. Mass Effect. Okay. I tried to play it and I've got an hour in and I was like, this is boring and quit. It's just Star Trek. It's just TNG. It, <laughs> it's the not first though. One, the first one is definitely just TNG and then it becomes more video game as it goes on. Yeah, the Ma- Mass Effect 2, um, and I never I never really beat 3. Um, Mass Effect 2 is a very kind of, what's the word? More of Hollywood, I would say. It's definitely, yeah. It's like, you know how in every sci-fi series they're like oh now we've got to make everything gritty and underground and dangerous and that is the entire game is just that how about how about this uh mass Mass effect one is tng mass effect two is the first jj uh abrams star trek movie and mass effect three is into darkness I don't know if you've seen. <laughs> oh man, I gotta play Mass Effect Three. <laughs> isn't that the Isn't that the uh, Riddick movie? No, no, no uh, Star no. Trek Into Darkness. Oh, that's Pitch Black. That's Pitch oh. Black. Is something. No, oh, I'm so shit. sorry. I didn't mean I to get so your excited. hopes up. No, I was oh. like, wow, that sounds amazing. Actually, it sounds terrible now that I've heard the rest of this. <laughs> Star Trek Into Darkness. I don't want to play that. That sounds bad. I thought people uh, like Mass Effect Three. You know. Uh, you remember uh, that thing where people were really pissed off at Mass Effect 3 and they hated the ending for like a hundred months? Oh, yeah, I do kind of remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. That game has more problems than the ending. As someone that never even beat it, that game it is... kind of, There was kind of a thing where they didn't have an ending written and they were like coming up on a deadline. So the head writers just locked themselves in a room and just wrote the rest of the story. 
and we get that's how we get <laughs> stuff like star children yeah <laughs> Uh, everyone loves everyone loves a good star child see i just remembered how everybody really hated the next one um what was it called uh mass effect effect andromeda andromeda Andromeda, that's right i don't Uh, think anyone actually played it that game enough to hate it i think i played that you know the the uh the engine was good and Mm. that's all i have to say about it (laughs) sounds like you loved it (laughs) it was actually a good it was good uh, shooting things in it, and it was also uh, written by the the guy who wrote that one Halo game, who loves everything being a capitalized noun, and his writing is very bad. The end. <laughs> well, that <laughs> sounds that's like what those thing. games are about. They're not about the shooting; they're about the writing. Well, that's why I like Mass Effect one the most. Yeah, it's boring to me. I'm not into games like that. Anyway, uh, on the Enterprise, Picard is in his dress uniform and he runs into Jake in the hall and they have this awkward scene where Jake tries to walk past him. But Picard stops him and is like giving him nice advice. And he's just really on a roll today with advice. Yeah. Um, He's having a good day for it. Actually, he hasn't even given advice to Wesley yet. I got ahead. (laughs) But he gives advice (laughs) and reassurance to Jake. Like, you know, you don't need to do that kind of shit. You just... uh, don't don't fly shuttles off and crash them. Oh, he says, <laughs> I hope you realize that running away doesn't solve anything. And then he looks like, hmm, I wonder if that relates to a theme that I am thinking about for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that entirely, that entire cue. But also Jake saves, uh, thanks him for saving his life. And he just barks like, that's my job, young man. Yeah, he's, uh, and then Picard- he's, why is he so angry still i don't know i think he's just trying to be angry he's being he's being very stern with him that, that's yeah, kind of how picard is though that, like that's i guess his, like that's his i default. guess he is uh kind of a criminal child <laughs> a little bit <laughs> no i think he's just trying to be like like oh i'm the captain you gotta you gotta respect me and also it's okay kid don't worry about it like i, I didn't yeah. feel like he was being mean about it at all what i really liked um, was uh picard's uh talk with wesley though yeah, which happens next when Picard enters the lounge where Wesley is, and uh, Wesley is, he asks Wesley immediately, like, "Why aren't you dressed for the Admiral's farewell dinner?" And Wesley's like, "I'm sorry, Captain, I fucked up. I didn't get into Starfleet, and, like, really, like, I I'm failed you, and I failed the Enterprise." And and Picard's like, "Stop that! What are you doing? Like, did you try your best?" And Wesley's like, "Yeah, I tried my best." And and Picard's like, "Well, are you gonna do it again next year and do better?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'll." I'll- been better and he tells wesley the only thing you're competing against wesley is yourself not true it is explicitly <laughs> not, not true that, 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 that's a, a great message but categorically untrue <laughs> well he's competing against himself like but because he can keep trying it every year like it's not a one right thing. no he, no he, he it, can continually try absolutely it was a, it was a great message to give old wesley yeah um, I like when you said when you when you try again next year, and you will be trying again next year. <laughs> very very oh, pointedly. <laughs> he, and uh, he also he's, he also he's doing a lot better with Wesley than he was at the start of the show, which yes. is good. Yeah, and he also confides into Wesley too, and he's like, "Don't tell this to anybody." But I also failed the test the first time, but not the second time. So there's your benchmark. <laughs> I, I, I like that uh, Wesley's reaction is like, oh, "You, Mister Picard, you failed! Oh my god!" <laughs> hey, he's uh, the fastest and the strongest captain. 
That's true. He's, he is a very cool guy. But we, and you know, the show gives throughout throughout its uh, run like little hints and backstory of uh, Picard's youth. And I really want like a show about Picard as a kid. Like that's what Enterprise Picard, whatever Star Trek Picard should have been. It's not current Picard, three hundred years in the future, whatever. I don't know what the fuck that show's about, but um, it should have been it's, his youth. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I didn't hear anyone who likes it. I've not heard. <laughs> I've not heard a single good thing about that show. Uh, yeah. Well, Q is going to be on it in the next season. How about he, that? He was in it in the first season. Well, he's going to be on it again. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, so they, um, Picard, uh, turned down the admirable ship and the academy position. Uh, you know, and uh, his uh, his admiral friend understands. Like, okay, yeah, I understand. If you change your mind, you let me know. I didn't write down the notes for what actually happens here. <laughs> just like That's really basically sleep. the ending. I, yeah, like, Picard turns it down. The admiral's <laughs> yeah. like, well. I guess maybe I just see conspiracies everywhere because I'm so old. I, I did oh, write that yeah. down. Like, wait a minute. You're not even sure if there's a conspiracy. <laughs> I might just have dementia. I'm not sure. Well, it happens. It happens. <laughs> uh, but they go back to the bridge. Wesley's manning the con. And uh, he's, he's just like, Card looks to Wesley. Shall we continue our mission? And engage. All right. The, I can't believe, once again, they put the moral earlier than the very last line of the show it's very strange how can they yeah, do they this? really stepped away from that formula they had for the first half of the season of just always having it be picard and Riker. like that oh, sure was an episode we had today time to go goodbye they need to have more freeze frames going into the credits and right. everyone's just laughing at a joke that would be a good ending Well, What'd that guys... was a that was a fun episode. Um, I re- again, I really like the the Wesley portions of it, especially the little talk between Picard and Wesley at the very end. I just yeah. wish I, I I almost wish it was only a Wesley episode though. I wish, like I said, they kind of built up the whole lead up to the the big like room, you know, you know, the big uh, psychic experiment at the very end. Like they they had the time to kind of lead up into that more and th- that would have been better served uh time better served rather than doing the stupid like you know conspiracy thing which apparently turns out to be something really fun so maybe i'm wrong it something comes of it i'll tell you that much um so <laughs> my thinking when i was watching this episode again because i hadn't seen this in a long time uh is i kind of wonder if this wasn't gene roddenberry trying to set something up in the future where um like we talked about how weird it is that the show focuses so much on Wesley and Wesley solves all the problems and so on and so on. And I kind of wonder if Gene Roddenberry wasn't thinking like he wants to make the, the show instead of being about the ship, he wants to take it to Starfleet Academy. And so he was creating the setup for there to be Captain Picard and Wesley at Starfleet Academy at some point in the future. That's interesting. I wouldn't, that's, not, that's actually not a bad uh, idea. I wonder. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like to me because it just was so out of nowhere for the admiral to offer him the commandant ship of the academy. Uh, but it makes sense yeah. in that regard. And then you can have like Maybe. Riker be the commander of the Enterprise or something, and he'd be like the 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 daring do well. Or I don't, I don't fucking know what the saying is, but like he'd be the the dangerous the the danger close captain that leads the Enterprise and does all the crazy missions. While you have another show, maybe where uh, Wesley and Picard are on starfleet yeah i i could see that i think maybe that makes sense i think though by this by this time like they're 
getting a good idea that everyone loves Picard and they want Picard on the show. Yeah. And also, like, this is about the time when Gene Roddenberry is having a lot of health problems and he kind of is starting to step back from uh, writing very much. So, yeah, specifically if, if, the next episode, Heart of yeah. Glory, um, uh, the showrunner position is taken away from him yeah, by, so, uh, what's his face? Maurice Hurley. Uh, yeah. So, like, if he had a plan like that, it obviously didn't come to pass. Right. But that's just what I was thinking when I was watching the episode. Like, it could have been something they were just trying to seed up. But anyway... We are going to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about Heart of Glory, uh, Worf's big day out. Um, <laughs> well, he doesn't really go out. It's kind of almost a bottle episode, honestly. Uh, but we're, there we're is we a talking about in that. It. That's true. Uh, after this quick break, so stay tuned. <laughs> You know, they should have had Worf kick some ass prior to this episode because it's hard to take him that seriously. Hey, he he kicked those Ferengi's ass for Did like he? a few seconds. For a second, yeah. He, he got killed, killed a couple of those pig guys well, and then he, he got double, killed by a pig double man. team yeah. him. <laughs> he, he, he didn't get killed by a pig man. He got killed by a, a fucking like French pig man. <laughs> I'm going to note that we're back here and just cut it in somehow because this is a good conversation <laughs> for the podcast. We are back. <laughs> um, Hello. <laughs> uh, we are going to be talking about Heart of Glory, episode 20 of season one. Um, this was first aired on March 21st, 1988. Teleplay was by Maurice Hurley, and the story was by Maurice Hurley, Herbert Wright, and DC Fontana. It was directed by Rob Bowman. Yeah, shout outs to Bowman. Yay. <laughs> and in the in universe date is 41503.7, year 2364. Soul time. <laughs> I'm still going to use that soul time. I like it. Uh, this is the episode where a couple of Klingons uh, try to convince Worf to join them on the dark side. That's not a very good description of the episode, but it, uh, it involves Worf and Klingons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What <laughs> are you guys' initial thoughts about this episode? I remember that you were saying that you always skip the Klingon episodes. I, I like this episode. This one's great. I love Klingons. They're a lot of fun. This was a great kind of, like, much unlike the Ferengi episode. This was a great introduction into what Klingons are kind of all about. Because you get little, like, kind of hints and, like, ideas of what Klingon culture is like and what their values are and what they what they kind of struggle with. And, like, this, this I think, uh, this episode introduces that all wonderfully, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I, this episode is not bad at all. I don't. I I'd normally skip it because yeah, that's fair. I do skip almost every Klingon episode because I just I'm not a big fan of Klingons. Uh, wow. Klingon culture is uh, uh okay. My thing is, and Hayes, you don't know this because you haven't watched DS Nine yet. DS Nine has some of the best Klingon episodes and some of the absolute worst Klingon episodes. And the <laughs> difference is if Quark is in them or not. <laughs> Um, so I just got really tired of Klingon episodes. Just, oh, they go so over the top with it much later. But I, can't tell, really I can't tell if this is a positive or negative towards our it's, friend Quark. Uh, no, those episodes rule. Like, Quark is a great character. Okay, okay. A- absolutely a great character. Um, and those episodes really rule. And uh, you have to watch DS9 someday. Um, 
but uh, some of these Klingon episodes I just find kind of boring. Uh, this one is it is a good introduction to the Klingons. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and I think um, so. Like the thing, the thing with the Klingons is that at the beginning, um, the idea was uh, we it's like we already had a whole show about Klingons and Vulcan, Vulcans and Romulans, and we want to do new stuff here, and we don't want to be doing all these retreads. So we're not going to write anything about Klingons. Also, we're going to have a Klingon on the ship. <laughs> so I guess at some point they had to go there. Well, it seemed yeah. like did the original series like, really, really kind of get into Klingons besides like have them, having them as like kind of a adversarial yeah, they, force. They were, they were the, they were, it was, um, the, so like the, this was in the sixties. So they were very much the cold war enemy of the show back then. Oh, really? I thought the Romulans were that. They can both be that. <laughs> right. I, I I was thinking the Klingons were like, oh, what were the, um, what were the, who did the Romans like kind of like how, who were they at war with? Like in Europe, uh, the, the Gauls, everybody, everybody, but yeah, Everyone. the Gauls, the, uh, like to me, the Klingons have always just seemed like the, the space, the space Gauls, like just, you know, crazy barbarians that they got to fight. Yeah, they're they're specifically a hunter warrior race uh, that's set up that way for sure. Yeah. Um. So in this episode, we start with uh, Worf communicating on the bridge. There's a battle happening in the neutral zone, and they've got no information about who's involved. But Starfleet tells them to go uh, investigate it, and uh, Tasha's detecting recent photon explosions, but they're not uh, Federation or Ferengi. Data speculates it could have been Romulan. And I like how uh, Picard says here, Romulan, there's a name we haven't heard in a while. <laughs> they just we we about heard Romulans? about it like a few episodes ago. What are yeah. you talking about? No, that didn't happen. Okay. All right. Everybody was sick with a cold. He forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing came of it. So they just forgot about it. Um. So uh, they go to half impulse and yellow alert and data locates a drifting vessel uh, it's a Talarian cargo vessel. The life support on it is failing, and uh, they they think there might be possible life signs, but there's so much interference they can't really determine it. And Riker's like, "Okay, well, I'll prepare an away team." Uh, and Picard requests that Tasha stay on board the Enterprise in case of Romulan attack, which is smart. It makes sense. She's the chief of security. She probably should be on the Enterprise in case Romulans decloak and uh, shoot them. Right. Yeah. But you know what's not smart is putting only three fucking people on this ship. <laughs> You have an entire ship of people. You have hundreds of, of people that can go on there and help out. You we, put your first officer and like two of your techies on there. And we, we, do, we do see that later we get a we get whole teams of yellow shirt guys that they could have sent over. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um, the no record did, just takes data and shorty. I, uh, uh, I was just going to say I did like that. Tasha's like, you gotta stay here. She does a little, oh man. <laughs> I don't want to go on the other ship. We'll kick some ass. I figured that they would at least take Worf, though, to have somebody, but they didn't. Um, yeah, really. <laughs> Picard asks uh, Jordy before they leave if they can use the visual acuity transmitter, and Jordy's like, I think so. Um, and Riker and Picard also say, like, this is probably a trap, but let's go anyway. <laughs> I know, it's like, yeah. fucking great. <laughs> hey, we're the best. We can do it. 
So we, we learn now, um, uh, after the credits or whatever, that the visual acuity transmitter is actually a transmitter on Jordy's visor that transmits what he sees. So we mm -hmm. finally do get to see. Were you happy, Hayes? We get to see what, what Jordy sees. Um, I, I would, I'm just glad that Jordy doesn't have any epilepsy because there's a fucking bright light that flashes like once every three seconds. It seems horrible and like hellish to live as Jordy. If he's, so how do you describe what Jordy sees? It's kind of like this sort of, um, oh, I don't know the terms for this kind of stuff, but it's like this super kind of high sat like oversaturated. It's, it's, it's super blown out. Yeah. overexposed overexposed uh, that's the word very colorful and you can see the outlines of people and things but it's very hard to make anything out really right. yeah it's just a bunch of visual noise uh really that he has to interpret all the time but um we, we see that when we get to the freighter uh there's there's steam everywhere it's wrecked the beams are collapsed and then jordy switches on his transmitter and that's where we see uh roughly what he sees i mean it's a it's a not exactly, obviously, because we can't see infrared or ultraviolet, so the computer's interpreting it, yeah. allegedly, to what he sees, but it's a fucking mess. Uh, a mass of colors, it vibrates a lot, like, there's a lot of vibrating going on. Um, and Picard asks what something is, and, and Jordy's like, what? what are you talking about? And it's, he's like, oh, that's just Commander Riker, which, who looks like <laughs> a freaking blank silhouette? <laughs> like, how do you make anybody out? How do you see anybody? Um... Well, like you said, it's like the computer interpreting kind. Of, it, it's like a yeah, like it's just an interpreter. It's not one to one to what Jordy actually experiences, which is probably yeah, like this. This is this is like a realistic kind of thing that I think I think this makes sense. Like the brain can learn to like filter out only the things that it wants to look at. Yeah, they specifically yeah. have this conversation in the show where Picard asks him, like, well, if you can't, like, you can't selectively see what you're, what you're looking at, right? And Jordy's like, no, I just, I just pick out what I want to look at. Uh, like, he's describing normal sight. Like, this is how you see too, Captain Picard. You just, like, focus on what you're looking at and ignore everything else. Well, he, he, he compares it to like listening to something, like how you're able to kind of pick things out that you're listening to and ignore stuff in the background. Yeah, but it is also just how sight works, too. Like, you're not always looking at everything all around you at all times that would drive you insane you're just looking at like what you're focused on and that yeah. is like yeah and you can get some cool uh uh optical illusions from that too mm -hmm. the google optical illusion and you can see them <laughs> um one thing they it, note is that uh data actually has like an aura around them which apparently all androids too yeah i like that a lot because he turns towards data and, and they're like why does he have that aura around him and he's and just jordy's immediately like because he's an android you guys right. don't see that? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's that was good. good. That was good. Um, uh, yeah, so there's a, bunch of, wants... there's a bunch of steam coming out everywhere, and it's very dangerous. Yeah, and Riker's uh, not amused by this, uh, like, looking at Jordy's eyes thing. It's like, oh, can we actually get our job done here? And so they're walking through this corridor, and data detects high levels of uh, deuterium gas but he says it's not toxic yet they're not going to die quite yet and the corridor is getting steamier and steamier and uh, did you guys notice too you can actually see and i suppose it's supposed to be maybe like a ruptured pipe but you can just like straight up see the pipe they're using for the special effects yes, I, I, see. I, so I it, it's like they, they take a break down. near it <laughs> yeah it's, it's like really right in a doorway it's good um and jordy notices a fissure developing too which i thought this was a, another cool thing about his vision like 
because Riker looks over at it and he's like, it's just a wall. I don't see anything. But we see it through the transmitter and he can actually see like the, the, the structure falling apart with right. his eyes. But that, that, that was cool. What was not cool was that uh, Jordy is like, oh, we have under five minutes before this <laughs> fucking ruptures and explodes. <laughs> and everyone's like, all right, continue the search. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're just going to have to go faster. This so you get hard. you get off um, like what four minutes is not enough time to do anything at all. This uh, brings up that previous question about why don't they ever wear spacesuits? That would be a very good time to have some spacesuits. Oh this, my god, this well, ship might just be exposed to the vacuum of space in a second. But let's just walk faster. It's fine. It's so ridiculous. I liked um, when they were going through the uh, the steamy door. And Riker's standing in front of it, and it was a Dark Souls reference. Oh my god! It's the fog wall. Oh, the fog wall! I will say this whole set is like really fucking cool because it's like really, it's a lot more detailed than a lot of the sets they normally do. You kind of see all this like wreckage everywhere, and like you have Mm -hmm. have these uh, sort of like pylons that have fallen down from the ceiling. There's there's I beams, there's I beams laying around everywhere. (laughs) As you do. The ship is Um, really falling apart. It gives you a sense of urgency for sure. Yeah, totally. No, no. This is one of the better looking sets that we've seen uh, so far. So they get to the engine room where they, they detect life signs on the other side of it in engineering. And Data's like, oh, it's really hot and gassy in there. I should probably go in alone. And they're like, yeah, you do that. And this is find- fucking pissed me off. What is <laughs> he goes? He goes in alone, just a scout, I guess, because he comes back and he's like, yeah, they're over here by this door. And so they just go over. <laughs> yeah, they just go. <laughs> what was the point of that? <laughs> oh, I guess they just don't waste time bringing, breathing in the gases or whatever. And I also like, too, I wanted to note because they, they talk about how hot it is and they do actually show them like covered with sweat and stuff. Uh, I, I do want to note that, like, uh, so they're by this, like, engine core, and, like, as, like, Data's going around it, like, you can't see where he goes, because the engine, this engine core room, it's like you're looking at the sun, basically, I, which is, I guess, like, kind of what these things are supposed to be. It, like, it is blinding in that fucking room. Well, isn't yeah. that supposed to be, like, the gases? No, it was, it was the, I thought that was, like, the, the, the center of their engine room or, or whatever, right? I think it is, so. but it's There's, filled with like gas. There was also though. steam all over the place. Sure, sure. Yeah, I thought that's why you couldn't see in there is because it was just all like filled with steam and gas. Yeah, there is light. Oh, it's uh, the steam is scattering the light everywhere, so you just cannot see anything. Also, I think they got bored with doing the Jordy visor thing because as soon as they go into the engine room, they just go like, "Jordy, we lost visual," and Jordy's like, "Yeah, there's too much information." Oh well, and they never talk to it again. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we got to see through Jordy's eyes. That was cool. We just that was a little, cool. little world building. Um, so they go, they find this door that's got like an inch crack open, and uh, Wrecker goes to shoot it, and Data's like, "No, no, it'll explode. Don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> and Data just uses his super android strength to just pry the door open. He's so strong. Wrong. What did they see inside, you guys? Dun, oh, it is Klingons. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, there's three three Klingons in there. One of them's lying on a table injured, and um, one of the Klingons is just standing forward, and he goes, I am Chorus. <laughs> and Riker says, yeah. we'll handle the formalities later. Yeah, they're just hanging out in here. Yeah. <laughs> they're having a nice um, old time, except one of them's about to die. Yeah, but it's fine. They learn that these three are the only survivors on the ship, um, and Data says he's found a quicker way out of there somehow. I'm not sure how. <laughs> there's a shortcut. The, <laughs> um... A- I just want to say at one point data is kind of waiting outside the room while they're like introducing each other. Um, and he does it. And 
Data does a great job of selling how you know tough the door is whenever he opens it for the very first time. But he rushes back into the room at one point and kind of trips over the the door. You just see it bend almost out of place. I didn't see, <laughs> I didn't that. see that. I missed that. It, it's like, oh no, this is made out of rubber or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's just but... because his android foot is so strong. I see. Yeah. I see. <laughs> so Riker orders Data to pick up the injured Klingon, and Course is like, no. I'll carry him. Ah. And then they're rushing through the hallways. On the Enterprise, Picard asks Tasha to go to the transporter room to be there when they return. Um, which this just made me mad because Tasha goes to beam them out. Isn't there a transporter chief? Like, did she just say, hey, get out of here? I'm going to take it over the transporter. Because she almost doesn't beam them out. Like, she's they're too close to the engine. There's too much interference. And then we get this really dramatic scene where we see them, like, trying to beam out. And it fades back. And it doesn't work. And then the ship explodes. <gasps> Oh, and then no. but don't don't worry. They safely beamed over. It was all for show. They, <laughs> they, 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 they japed us. I, I do yeah, appreciate. I do appreciate that the teleporter will apparently cancel itself out if it says that. Like, uh oh, we're gonna rearrange your atoms, but in, in a bad way. I imagine they tested this technology a little bit before they just started scrambling everybody's atoms. I always just think of Galaxy Quest. That, and I don't know if you remember the teleporting scene from that. I don't actually. I haven't seen Galaxy Quest in years. I don't oh remember what happened. Well, they uh, they test out the uh, the teleportation beam on a like a bo- on like a space bore at one point, and they beam it on board, and it's the, it beams in inside out <gasps> with like no, all the organs, with, like that. all the organs on the outside until it just oh, fucking explodes. That's awful. <laughs> it's really good. I love Galaxy Ooh, Quest. That's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, it um, has fucking uh, what's his face in it? Um, you know, Snape. Uh, who's that actor? Uh, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Yeah, he's like. Uh, I forgot he was in that. He's the Spock of that. Yeah, it's really good. Oh yeah, yes, I forgot. That makes up for uh, Tim Allen being there, probably. Yeah. You know. <laughs> wow. Um. So they take the survivors to the sick bay, uh, and Worf requests permission to go with them. Uh. Picard's like, or Picard says he's going to go meet them, and Morph's like, "Can I, can I come with you?" Yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah. In the sick, and then in the sick bay, Doctor Crusher is uh, treating the near dead Klingon, and Picard introduces himself to Chorus, uh, and also we learn uh, Lieutenant Conmold's the other guy, the other Klingon whose name I'm going to forget repeatedly throughout this episode. Uh, it's Picard not as good of a name. Chorus is a good name. It's good mouthfeel. Chorus, Chorus. Yeah. Uh, but he tells them that they were passengers on the freighter. And the ship was attacked by Ferengi. Uh, and that during the fight, they must have just unknowingly entered the neutral zone. And Worf points out that the weapons were not Ferengi. And Chorus is like, oh, what's your name, buddy? Uh, and Worf tells him, and Chorus is like, well, the vessel was Ferengi, but the weapons on it were Klingon. Which, sure, that buddy. Makes, that makes sense to me. That happens uh, all the time, I bet. So, I, I actually, I, I may have asked this uh, before, and I'm so sorry if I did. What is the neutral zone? It's like a demilitarized zone. It's yeah. it's just like a an area where nobody has jurisdiction, so um, it, okay. things can happen there that are fighty fight things. It's like really... think, of, think of the DMZ in Korea. It's like that. Yeah, it's, it's like that's like the implication, but also I want to say that it is. This is like it is not explained in the show at all. You just like kind of gotta feel what it is get it through context. context yeah yeah it's it's just an area where bad shit can happen with other aliens you're not supposed that you don't to go in there with. Yeah, yeah if you go in there someone might shoot you down or there might be pirates or 
they never actually go through that either. That would have been a good episode to have space pirates. Yeah, I, I, I oh. imagine also there's probably like fucking officially licensed like books about like you learned about what you hear about on Star Trek. This is what the neutral zone is that they're like selling in the 80s or something. There were millions of Star Trek books. Don't worry. The Star <laughs> Trek EU books. Or like, like glossary books of just like, here's everything you need to know. <laughs> um, so the Klingons continue to tell them too what happens in the in the fight is they took command of the vessel since the Talarian captain had no combat experience and uh, say they which this is this a war crime because I don't know war crimes but I feel like this is a war crime because they what they do is they pretend to surrender so that the Ferengis lower their shield and come closer and then they use a bunch of old Merculite rockets and blow them up it seems very war crimey it doesn't seem above board but they're um, like real proud but of they, they're, they're like, like yeah, cool with that they're like heads. oh very clever <laughs> yeah they, nobody cares nobody raises any flags about this well um, not, not only was i thinking okay this seems like war crime this also does not seem very klingon which is like a sort of underhanded tactic you know what i mean where they kind of like coax them into letting their guard down and then they fight them to me a way a klingon would fight would just be do it head on until either you or they die right well they were like very much outmatched is what they said so they knew they knew it was not really an option to just go ahead up with them i thought they didn't care about that i thought they were just happy to die in battle i think they still try to win at whatever cost they're they're okay. gamers they're a race of gamers that will win at whatever cost they possibly can um but but yeah if they can honorably fight somebody they would definitely rather they do like them. they do like to die but they like winning too okay, yes so. all right Losing, if you're going to lose, you should die, is what their their philosophy is. But it, yeah. uh, you should try to win, though. So they love, the, cool. they love battle, but they always play the meta. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. They always pick a top tier. Um, so after they leave uh, to go to their quarters, Worf takes them to their, uh, their quarters. Picard and Riker talk, and Picard's like, there's definitely more going on to this than they told us. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um and Picard orders Riker to request information about Chorus from Starfleet, but apparently it's going to take 48 hours at this distance. It's one of those things that, like, it depends on whether the story can do it or not, but sometimes they can get, like, instantaneous, like, visual communication with other people. And sometimes it's 48 fucking hours to get subspace information from Starfleet. That doesn't make sense. It makes sense to me. Space is fucking big. And if you're not near an outpost, especially, I imagine, if you're near neutral zone territory, you might just be way the fuck out of the way. Space is big, and they imply they it's implied they can like you know really get out into like you know out there into space with their like you know warp nine and all that. Yeah, I guess I that guess, makes sense. Yeah, I guess they haven't built up uh, enough of uh, comm stations around this area. They don't. They don't have the space infrastructure yet. They don't have the uh, the space internet going. They need to get yeah. that yeah. fiber. Space. You I mean, like, space is like infinite like you can only have like so much infrastructure even as developed as they are so that actually makes a lot of sense to me okay i i, I i'm with you. i guess space I is infinite there isn't there's not like any planets around here either so i guess that makes sense that there wouldn't be a telephone booth nearby yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in, in um meanwhile, Worf has taken the Klingons to the guest quarters and one of the Klingons orders something in Klingonese at the replicator, like it has three glasses, so they're all can sit and eat together. And Chorus and the Conmel are giving Worf a hard time, giving him shit, like, hey, you work for Starfleet? What's the deal with that? They soften you up here, huh? Huh? Uh and Worf gets mad and they're like, Why do you mock me? That's not a good Worf. What did what did he say, Freeze? <laughs> can you do it? Why did you 
why do you wish to anger me? <laughs> I liked Conval. Uh, I wrote down that he said in SpongeBob voice, Oh, has it filled your heart with peace? Ooh. <laughs> I, yeah, I like them giving a hard time. It's good. Well, I, I do like there. There's actually a reason why they're giving him a hard time. It's because they're trying to see if he still has like that kind of Klingon spirit, that anger in him. Or if he's been like truly just like tamed by humans at this point in their eyes. There's- Literally trying to make him mad just to see if they can get him mad. It's good. Yeah, it's yeah, good. Just, no, it's great. I, I love just, it. They're just fucking with him, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and their friend in sick bay can't be helped by Doctor Crusher. She's doing her best. So Picard calls them and says, "You got to go to the sick bay immediately." <laughs> and so they do. They all, all three Klingons come into the sick bay to see the dying Klingon. Course walks over to him, lifts his eyelids open, and the three Klingons just stare at him and they start humming make the tum sound and then they just all raise their heads to the sky and roar uh, as loud as they can they roar so loud for so long for so dramatically it's wonderful it's gr- glorious the caption primal yelling i believe comes up <laughs> yeah it's, i got primal roaring i think it is good yeah. it's it's a really good scene so it is and, yeah uh, clearly this he, is some kind of ritual they do it's 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 very it's very nice yeah, and uh, so they go to leave, but the Lieutenant Conwell grabs something from his hand first, which is important later. Oh, and Dr. No, he, Crusher... He, uh, he, there's on the dead guy's shoe, there's like a spike coming off of it. And he oh, was that his shoe? He takes it okay. off. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was his yeah. hand. I, I um, just wanted to mention earlier uh, during the conversation where they're all making fun of uh, Worf. Um, for the very first time replicated food we finally see it yeah oh yeah that's right i forgot oh is that the first time that. we've seen any yes i think so oh. yeah it they, looked good it was like a big hunk of cooked meat i think it was like it, a they had like uh like poultry i think maybe it was raw i don't know and they had like some ale or something it looked pretty no, the, good the meat is, was definitely cooked it looked like flame charred is, is atomizing um perfectly cooked lamb or burger or what what have you and then eating it is that vegan yes is that vegan yes i think that's sure. vegan you think so yeah well something had to die for them to get that image though right for them to perfectly replicate that no i don't think so necessarily i think so how would you ever get the reference point for that to be perfectly recreated? I'm not saying something has to die for them to get it right every single time. I'm saying for a, a technician to perfectly recreate a lamb roast, they had to fucking slaughter a lamb and cook it perfectly. And then they were able to find out, okay, we need to do, to do this, this, and this to, to atomize it and have it be able to be recreated by uh, Starfleet. Well, that's not entirely true because they could have gone to the store and got the lamb roast. But the, 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 the store land. would have slaughtered land. Yeah, no, that's that's not my problem. You know, <laughs> I'm saying, I'm You're saying, not I'm saying it's not vegan. Is is my point? You can't just you, you can't. Uh, you can't you, it's it wasn't my uh, not my responsibility. Sorry. <laughs> if, if you have an opinion about this, email us at be me to sickbay at gmail.com because I want to hear what other people think about this because I feel like that is still vegan. But Hayes is raising some good points about the origins of this meat. Um. I don't know. I feel like like they probably have enough to get like a library of what meat textures should be like, and then they can just fine tune it and tweak it. But what, what, what if like they get a bad reference point? They have to go out and kill another fucking cow just so they can get the burger just right. Well, but it's time. more like the computer knows this is supposed to taste like this, you know, and and they just like tweak 
settings to make it taste right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they necessarily are copying an exact meal, but it's more just the computers like, like meat should, or this lamb should taste like this. And the molecules should be like shaped like this. And I don't, I don't know. Email us. Tell, tell us what you think. Also email uh, me if you think the way that the uh, replicator works is like the arcade game burger time. Every time a burger is made. <laughs> 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 well it is just, just so, yes. this virtual lady's yeah, little, little chef man walking on patties and stuff until <laughs> so it comes down through the pipes that would own yeah they just got a they got a chef like hiding in the insides of the enterprise he's very busy he's super overworked oh my oh, god man. what a horrible job <laughs> and that chef is on the hollow deck and he goes mad oh no <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh that's um, what they just have to keep like be- making new fucking chefs on the holodeck because they all just go crazy after like a day. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Doctor Crusher, before they leave, asks him if there's any special arrangement they want for the body. And Chorus is like, "No, it's only an empty shell. You can just do whatever you want with it." Uh, or he doesn't say that specifically. That he doesn't say that. He says you should be well, treated he, as such. He says, "Do what you do, like what you think, whatever you feel is." best to do it yeah but the way i phrased it had some implications that i don't mean um so that's why i'm I'm backtracking i I don't know at the end of the episode they're a little more direct with saying they're like yeah this is just trash basically we don't care it's dead dispose of of it as you will yeah so Worf and the other two klingons are walking down the hallway and talking and uh Worf asks them what really happened because clearly this is not the truth and chorus is like oh we don't want to make you mad you know because you're our brethren amongst infidels he says quote unquote he did say that oh boy um and chorus asks Worf how he came to be in starfleet anyway and so we get a little bit of Worf's backstory here um which is uh he was at the kittimer colony and it was attacked by Romulans and just massacred. Everybody was killed except for him. And uh, some humans found him and raised him on a on a colony called Galt, which was apparently a farming colony. And the Klingons raised their eyes at this because I don't know. The, the show doesn't explain this uh, at this point. I don't know if this was something they covered in TOS and they just didn't bother bringing it up again. But the uh, other Klingons are like, you were raised on a farming colony because Klingons aren't farmers. They do not farm. Right. They're fucking they are, warriors, which doesn't make any hunters. sense because you need farmers to live. You need no, architects. You Someone's got to make that Klingon technology. It doesn't make itself. Well, you can be an architect and not a farmer, Ace. They don't farm. As, as they like hunt their meat or they uh, they do kind of like the Viking thing of pillaging other people for stuff, well, but they well, don't. I, I just mean like in Klingon society, they can't all be warriors is my point. They, they, well, they needs can. To, no, no, they need there needs to be uh there needs to be a science there needs to be scientists, there needs to be engineers, there needs to be all sorts of people Pace, of different trades. You can you can be two things at once. You can be a warrior <laughs> and an engineer, or a warrior and a scientist. All Klingons are warriors. Pace, I believe this was covered in Mass Effect 2 because the Krogans uh, are just they are just Klingons. They are they even have the head ridges, yes. They're just they're just whiter <laughs> and longer. They even start with a K. I mean, it's obvious. No, I get it. <laughs> I think they uh, there probably are a few, but they probably are uh, kind of outcasts of society, I would bet. Because you gotta be a warrior if you're Klingon. That's true. I liked um when and they first started, Worf says, it was an act of kindness. And Chorus just has this look on his face like, what the fuck? Kindness? What? 
Uh, but this is a good scene though, where the other Klingons really sympathize with them and empathize with them because they're like, it must have been really hard for you growing up with these humans with your instincts. Like we're hunters, you know, you got these instincts to go out and kill in the middle of the night. And I'm sure no one around you understood this. And then Worf's like, yeah, I mean, you guys are right. I did. They didn't. And yeah. Worf says. No, I was Worf, like, this is really like not what I was expecting to come out. I was like, you think they're going to give him shit for being too human like, but they're actually really sympathizing with them and saying you know you are you are still struggling with trying to be yourself when no one understands you yeah Worf says he still gets these urges and he controls them and they're like well it's impossible to do that you can't control these urges and then they're like but it because it is impossible and you do it anyway you are a warrior and they salute him and it's just he's bonding he's bonding with his new Klingon buddies I really interpreted this differently from you guys. I thought he was like mocking uh, war for part of this where he was just saying like, must have been hard for you, huh? Not being able to understand other people, not being, being able to understand what you're going through. You're having to get up late at night and, you know, feeling like you have this need to hunt, like must've been hard. I, I, it came off to me as they were trying, trying to be way more intimidating towards war. Uh, no, I think, I mean, I think I got that feeling initially, but as he went as he went on, it seemed like he was being serious about it. Yeah. No, and, and I think the episode kind of reflects that later because uh, at some point, like, Worf is a lot more trusting of uh, of them after that conversation. And so I think, see, I, I think you're right. You see yeah. later, they see later uh, in the episode why they kind of sympathize with him being an outcast in society because mm-hmm. they are also that. That's a spoiler, yeah. though. Uh, oh, slightly. We're getting there very, very quickly. But, okay, but yeah, I, I entirely agree with McFreeze that I like at the beginning of that scene, I definitely felt that way, like especially because they were just mocking him in that last scene. Um, but it, they do like really come across as genuine as they continue to say, like, no, you you really like you're a warrior friend. You doing your best. Mm-hmm. Um, they ask him who he tests himself against in battle. And he's like, I've been in battle. But he doesn't say who he's like, yeah, I totally have been in battle, you guys. I fought some Frankie. <laughs> I fought some clo- colonial pigmen. He doesn't say that he ever won any battles, but <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. Um, but uh, Chorus says that the peace and the alliance is like a living death to warriors like them. Uh, that this this new world is terrible for them. They just want to fight and get fights. And they finally admit to him they commandeered the freighter and they were leaving the Klingon homeworlds to find somewhere that they could be free in battle. And that the ship that attacked them was actually another Klingon vessel. That was sent them uh, to bring them back, and and Worf's like, "You destroyed a Klingon vessel." Whoa. He's very upset about this. Um, Not that upset. This is. This <laughs> is I mean, like, you know. You know, Worf has a duty, and he's supposed to report this kind of shit. And he does not report it. No. He doesn't. No. no. Uh, and Chorus uh, asks Worf to show him around the ship, and Worf's like, "Yeah, okay." Is the real? They admitted to treason, and they asked, like, hey, can we see more of your ship? And Morris like, hmm, sure. He hasn't seen another Klingon in a long time, okay? He's like, well, I'm not going to spoil this moment with He has a duty. It's the thing he's supposed to do. <laughs> hey, you know, you wanted, you wanted a show about space pirates. These are them. They're pirates. Pretty much. They pretty did much. a pirate. Um, so on the bridge, Picard is talking about the experience with Worf, just saying, like, that was really weird. I've never seen him like that. And um, Data in- is interrupts by saying he detects another vessel on long-range sensors. And so they're like, ah, oh, can we, uh, oh. 
remind that this scene cut scene cut scene cut i hate this uh <laughs> meanwhile Worf is showing the klingons engineering and uh they're saying ah what glorious battles we could have at the helm of this ship that's not weird or suspicious at all and Worf mm. asks them um maybe maybe your dreams for glory are just a piece of the past you know you ever think about that but meanwhile you guys might be a little outdated here with all this glory stuff i don't know maybe a little bit uh and then uh, we cut back to the bridge where Data is telling Picard that that was just the Klingon death ritual they, they witnessed. And that the reason that they howl is to warn the dead of the approaching Klingon warrior, which is really like, I like that. That's a bit of Klingon lore I really like. Yeah. And he says, oh, you- uh, he says, I, I believe that was the first time it was witnessed by non-Klingons. What do you, what do you think of all this Klingon stuff they're showing, Hayes, since this is all new to you? Um... Just like in in general, kind of like what we've seen, like total, like including like the original yeah. stuff. Um, well, like I said, I think I think a lot of this stuff seems like it's kind of inspired by like kind of like more barbarian nation sort of stuff, rather than like which is interesting because compared to like the more kind of utopia interpretation of society that you see like from the you know human slash Starfleet stuff in in general. It's interesting that like this much more warrior instinctual like kind of race and temperament can be like compatible with like this general peace loving sort of modern society that currently permeates in the the Milky Way now. So it's it almost seems contradictory. And of course, these are like, you know, extremists that are out there, um, you know, that, you know, destroy this uh, Klingon ship. It's interesting that, like, they are kind of broaching that subject of, like, how can, like, a nation that's basically founded on battle and violence exist in a, just what is essentially a modern utopia? And, yeah, it, it's cool they're kind of, like, bringing that sort of stuff, like, up as Yeah, a, I just, I was curious about what you thought of it, because it's, it's weird coming from this as a, the perspective of somebody who's been inundated with this stuff for decades at this point you know and just being familiar like oh that's how klingons are so i just wanted to hear your take on on like what they're introducing in this episode and the themes and and i I like your take on it a lot like uh i think it is it is like an interesting concept of what would a warrior race do in a utopia like this where they they can't fight and and like obviously some are just like able to kind of contain themselves and they just kind of you know they just kind of uh kneel it's like the i shouldn't say kneel but like they they resolve to kind of maintain with like the current peace because they feel like that's their duty even though they are warriors it's not their duty to like create like strife where there shouldn't be any but obviously like you know there's going to be these uh I guess I I don't know really really what to call them other than like extremists that feel like no we need to perp- we need to per- perpetrate like the this idea that, that there's always got to be more war. There's always got to be conflict. Otherwise, what are we even here for? What is our, what is the purpose of our race at that point? Yeah, this is, this is who yeah. we are. You know, we, we have to fight like everybody yeah, else. And it's like, yeah, they've got, I mean, it's like, uh, it's a thing where we know that we know that they, as a, as a society, they have diplomatic relations with everyone at this point, but we don't, we have seen very little of what the internal um the uh life of the klingons and within within their own society what's going on and how are they 
dealing with it. And we get we get a little hint here, but um, well, we just, just don't to, know much about it yet. You just have to wonder, like what, like what do what do Klingons as a um, as a race, if they're like this warrior race, where I'm sure like all their technology is based around like having the best warships, and they're all about having like all this like great like kind of military technology. What do they do in peacetime? What like what do they have to offer in terms of trade, in terms of like political political clout? Like it just seems like they'd be really limited in this like perfect uh society where there cannot be like actual wars. Yeah, and they absolutely are. And actually the show does really start to explore that uh later. So oh, really? Yeah. Because you're you're absolutely right. Like that that is uh they have a lot of economic turmoil coming up because uh this is not how their society was built to function. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have exports; they're a fucking warrior race. Yeah. That right, eats. like they, 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 they don't have any like technology invested in mining or agriculture or any of this stuff that would be beneficial towards like colonizing or doing anything that is beyond just you know not not war, basically. Yeah, and actually, I I'm glad to hear you hearing or hear you saying these things because it does make me more interested to watch the Klingon episodes again and take that kind of perspective on them. Cause it is kind of like what the remains of a crumbling empire, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It, um, it is kind of like that. Yeah. So the unidentified vessel that we were told about earlier is uh, approaching them at warp five and will intercept them in an hour. And they, uh, they zoom in and magnify to get a visual on a Klingon cruiser coming their way. And Picard hails them and, and their commander Canera responds and says, uh, hey, what are you doing out here? And Picard's like, oh, we rescued three Klingons after a battle. And Canera's like, oh, that was all that was left of that cruiser? And Picard's like, what cruiser? We, we rescued <laughs> these guys from a cargo ship. Uh, and one of them is uh, Commander Chorus. And uh, Canera's like, ah, you have him. He's a criminal and a renegade. And he demands <laughs> them back. Um, and Picard asks Tasha, well, uh, where are they now? And uh, they see that their wharf has taken them to the battle bridge. And they're like, why did he bring uh, them to the battle bridge? No, 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 no. no. He says, um, they say, like, do you think wharf has taken them to the battle bridge yet? They're, on, they're, they're um, at the place where the elevator to the battle bridge is. So maybe, I like, maybe they were going to the battle bridge. Yeah. I see. I missed that. Um, and so the the Klingons, meanwhile, are talking, asking Worf about the saucer sep. They've heard about it. Like, oh, yeah. I was so excited. I was like, are we going to get it? Are we, are we going to get it? Are we going to get it? Can we get two in one season? Please, God. <laughs> I was not. Uh, oh, I didn't get it. Oh, but they they think it's really cool. And Worf's like, yeah, and the ship becomes like a fantastic weapon when you don't have that fucking saucer on it. Get all the people out of here and we can really kick some ass. Um, He's right. And then the, then the security team that, that was sent to get them uh, arrives behind them and uh, tells Worf to step aside. And we get this this pre-commercial scene where the Klingons are like, oh, Worf, you, you can't betray us. You got to you got to help us. Don't don't let them take us. And Worf is like torn. <laughs> like, it, like, Worf, Worf buddy, is, this is your job. Come on, man. Worf is just <laughs> Worf is looking back and forth like six times he just keeps going dun 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 this kind of annoys me because i feel like they're just uh setting up this tension when like the story of this episode has no intention of making Worf think for a moment of helping them or joining them because he's very loyal to starfleet but so this is just straight to the audience of saying like will he won't he we don't know and i think after the uh 
after the commercial break, we get like the it's like those scenes where there's like a dog looking between like two different owners. You know what I mean? <laughs> where, where the the, the Klingon's like like here boy, here boy, come on, come on with us. We could we could take this whole thing over. Come on, here boy. Well, yeah, we we do get this shot of of uh, Dim looking at Worf across from this doorway, like uh, and it's a great shot. It's it's a cover of this episode. You should look at it. Um, <laughs> drawn by our own uh, Mer- Mira. I almost said Merc. <laughs> you can call me Merc. It's fine. You, you call me Merc all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been trying to get that to actually show on Apple Podcasts too. So if you listen on Apple Podcasts, take a look. Maybe it's there today. I don't know. I've been trying everything. I'm about to give up. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, they're standing in front of this turbo lift door though, and it opens up, and this child and her mother like run out, and the child's like skipping, like yeah, and uh, the security officers are like, no, child, run back. Tasha's like, go back to your mother, and um, <laughs> chorus looks at the kid, and I don't know why, but he he picks her up, I guess just because like, hey, there's a kid here, and Tasha's like, oh, we have a situation, Bridge, we have a hostage situation down here, and he looks at her like, what the fuck. <laughs> and Worf looks at him and looks at her and like what and he just like hands the little girl to Worf who hands her to her mother and Tasha's like oh phew thank god and the, at this point the Klingons just go peacefully with the security officers and, and Tasha walks over to Worf and she's like man I thought that was going to be a situation there and he's like why what What were you thinking no 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 he's, what he says is oh in <laughs> the loudest says. and warfest voice. I also wrote that down too. It's such a pronounced O. <laughs> and she's like, Yeah, I thought I thought they were gonna take that little girl hostage. And then uh did you guys write down uh especially mm-hmm. McFreeze with your warf impression? Yes. What does he say? Cowards take hostages. That is not our way. <laughs> it's good. I, I don't um it was a dumb fake out. I get why they did it to just to show they don't take hostages, but it was, it was, it was so stupid. <laughs> I like it. I thought it was it was a cute like yeah. We're an honorable warrior race. We're not going to take a little girl hostage. Who? What do you think we are, Tasha? But also, we need to stop letting fucking kids run around everywhere. This is becoming an <laughs> epidemic. <laughs> They're they're, they're they're coming out in the middle of a fucking like Mexican standoff. Like this can't happen anymore. Look, there's a lot of kids here. There's gonna be some of them <laughs> hanging around somewhere. This, this, they they live here. You can't tell them to just gotta live your life. I don't know. This this kind of thing doesn't happen on the Enterprise all the time. We just see it happening all the time. You know, think, <laughs> like there's a lot of days of the year where literally nothing probably happens on this ship, but they don't make episodes about that. That's boring. I'll still never forget them just going into a fucking conference room and having to chew out kids. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, <laughs> they're, 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 they're like like wild dogs, basically. Get out of your kids, yeah. <laughs> boys will be stupid boys. Chinese Captain. finger trips with you. Um, so the security team escorts Chorus and Conmel uh, down the hallway into the holding cell, uh, which I think this is the first time too we've seen a holding cell. Right? They like put them through a door, and then the force field is behind the door and and turns yes. on. That's the first time we've seen it. They, they've gotten a lot more sets over time. No longer is it that we only see the bridge and we only see like maybe the engine room. We've act we're, we got hallways now. We got these. We got this new cell. We got like a Worf's room was different too. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting like how much more built out the Enterprise is at this point. Yeah, they've really invested a lot in it. It's good. Um, and so on on the bridge, Worf returns and Picard tells Worf that the other Klingon about the other Klingon cruiser and that they want their prisoners. And Worf says, but they'll be tried and executed and uh, wants to know if there's other options, but Picard can't see any. 
And the Klingon vessel is now in range of the transporters and asks, like, hey, can we have our criminals now? And Worf's like, Captain, I need to talk to them. I'm I'm not really trying to do a Worf voice. I'm not, I can't. I thought that was Worf talking for a second there. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> um, and the guard, like, reluctantly, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you can you can do this. And Worf walks forward and speaks to him in Klingon first. I guess some greeting in Klingon. Um and he pleads with the captain uh, of the other vessel to not let them uh, be executed with dishonor. Uh, he's like, just just send them to like the Haley system where they can die on their feet on a planet. And the captain's like, you know, I, I feel you. I agree. Like, this sucks. We're warriors. This shouldn't happen. But I have no choice. Which he doesn't explain why he has no choice. This is someone told him to, I guess. Again, I think it's like mm. interesting that like the commander is clearly like not happy about the situation. You feel it kind of feels like the um the klingons are like kind of subverse like submissive almost to like the rest of the galaxy or you know to starfleet and all that but they just feels like this is their position they can't like fight back against it like appreciably at all yeah yeah i don't know what the actual story is with that but i'm pretty sure they lost a war against the federation and that's what they're kind of like having to accept these terms now just Mm. so that they don't like have their entire race die Mm -hmm. i don't know i should really look that up because i was wondering about it yeah, I'm curious about it. Klingon um, lore seems cool. I'm I'm excited to learn more about it. It seems a lot more like actualized than a lot of stuff in, in the show we've seen so far. It it definitely mm-hmm. is. Like it, there is Klingon lore is very fleshed out, and uh, there are a lot of episodes about it. Yeah. And also, the entire language is like translatable. Yeah. Like people oh really? I, I thought that Klingon. was just them doing like sci-fi speak of just being like bleep blah bloop bloop. Okay, no, so that's actually like actual a language. Fucking language, and people. There are people, real Star Trek heads out there that know how to speak it. Yeah. Oh no! So yeah, like I've only watched uh, the first couple episodes of Discovery, but there are a bunch of scenes in that that are just Klingons, a bunch of Klingons in a room talking Klingon to each other. Oh like, no! Very interesting. Yeah, really. Yeah, I like uh, fake languages. They're interesting. Um. So Picard tells Tasha to escort the prisoners to the transporter room. But meanwhile, we get this this great scene where the two Klingons are like very sneakily putting together a disruptor with like various <laughs> items from their body, including it that is, claw they took from the shoe of the really, fallen guy. They really should have had these like confis- confiscated. I can get like the, the shoe thing that they were like e- able to sneak past. I get that. One of them just had a disruptor on their belt. Yeah, you just had like a handle on it. Like, <laughs> That's not true. It was in a fanny pack, please. <laughs> like, yeah, come it was on. like his Batman utility belt. They could have patted him down a little bit. Just like made well, an attempt. I think it's really funny too that like it had to take the three of them to combine to hide this. Like they didn't each all have their own one that they could put together. They just had to combine right. their forces <laughs> for one gun. That's pretty cool. It's a strong fucking gun. Well, yeah, they call it a phaser in this episode, but it's clearly not a phaser. It shoots like this green beam of energy, and it's like a, a Klingon disruptor is probably what it actually is. But I don't think they've they've terminalized terminologized that in the show yet. Coined. Uh, coined the show. Thank you. That's a much better word. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they said what it is. They they call it a phaser or, repeatedly, but yeah, um, but but it's clearly not, not a phaser. Yeah. Uh, they also have a device that just brings down the force field. Like he just holds a yeah. coin up to the force field and it goes down immediately. 
You, you can point. just do that, I guess. Who knows? I, it was like a, it's like a, a mirror. You just put it up there and redirected it. It's easy. They really probably should have frisked them and, and searched them before they put them in that holding cell, huh? Yeah, you know. Possibly. They might be out <laughs> of their job. And this poor security officer who's who's guarding the place runs in. And he's immediately shot with the blaster and dies. Oh, I get that. Uh, his, his strategy here is to... Not to not to use cover on the door. He just runs into the doorway and points his phaser like like uh, our old friend the admiral. He 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 does the uh, the the stormtrooper school of like firing of again not taking cover and standing in a doorway. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, the the security on the Enterprise could be better. Oh, uh, and then the other security officer manages to kill Lieutenant Conmill with a phaser after shooting him repeatedly with a stun. You know, but. Turning up the volume, like okay, it's got to be a little bit. Well, I, thought it does it. I thought he killed him. I thought he killed him. He does kill him. Yeah, yeah. but it, yeah. like he shoots him repeatedly, uh, so you know he's like turning up the setting to actually make it have an impact. Because Starfleet does not shoot to kill unless they absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. So that's why. That's yeah, why I mentioned. I was surprised. I thought that he was gonna be revealed to be not actually dead because it was definitely it was not a red laser. So right, I, I didn't think he was going to be dead, but he was dead. They they killed the fuck out of him, and uh, so Chorus takes the disruptor and runs away. Um, uh, Picard tells Kamara, meanwhile, that Chorus has escaped, and Kamara's like, "Oh, he's a trained Klingon. You, you need some help." And Picard's like, "I think we got it, but he, I don't know. He's really he's a tough kill. I don't know if you humans can handle him." Um, Chorus is running through engineering. Uh. Stares at the warp core and then climbs a ladder. I think it's not the warp core, it's the dilithium chamber crystal, whatever. Uh, and Tasha and the other security officers are running in after him, chasing him. And he holds his uh, disruptor up to the warp core, like, don't do it. I'll shoot it. I will shoot it. I he's, swear to God. He's pointing a gun at the engine of the ship. Yeah. And it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really good, actually. Which is, it's again, why no one should be able to just go down to the engine room willy nilly. <laughs> He has just, zero. He has zero just, authentication. He's still able to operate. We just got the engine shit. out here. It's just hanging out. It's not behind glass or anything. I, yeah, I, and if he if he shoots it, the whole ship is going to explode. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think now. Did he like take an elevator to, to get down there, or was he just on? Or is the fucking cell block on the same uh, floor as the engine room? He has to have taken an elevator because it's it's like the bottom of the ship. Everybody takes an elevator to get there. Yeah, so how did how is he able to take an elevator? He's he's a fucking war criminal. He got in there and he said, "Engineering room." <laughs> <laughs> Gotta stop giving authentication to everybody. This is a nightmare, especially kids. Oh, and uh, Worf asks Picard permission to leave the bridge, and Picard's like, "Yeah, I'll go with you too." Um, so Worf wants to talk to Chorus, and Tasha's like, oh, I think we should just wait him out." And Worf's like, "No, that's stupid because when he realizes he doesn't have the advantage, he's just going to kill us all." Which is and smart. Tasha's like, but he'll blow us all up. He'll blow himself up too. And he's like, he knows. <laughs> he knows how it works. Um, so Worf just like climbs up the ladder and courses and me like, brother, you came to help me. I need your help. The two of us, I can't do it alone, but the two of us, we can get the battle bridge from the captain and, and we can just run a trail of battles across the galaxy. And Worf's like, no, that's not going to happen. Worf says the, cap- the captain will never comply with that and also fuck you and gets his phaser out and uh, orders Chorus to put the gun down and Chorus is like oh you can't betray me I can't believe this he says uh, what about duty and honor and loyalty without which a warrior is nothing 
Well, one thing I really like is that Cora says, like, you know, Worf, like, you still have, like, the the fire in you. You still wish for battle. Our race is all about battle, and we should be, like, actualizing this. We should be, we should be like, creating these uh, conflicts because what, what else, like, are we good for if we don't have these conflicts that we can participate in? And Worf says that, like, the conflict that matters isn't, well, you know, externally. It's internally. It's about the, the conflict within, within us. Like, that is what we're here to battle. It's not, like, creating these arbitrary fights that don't matter, that don't mean anything. Yeah, and this is a really great scene, and it's a really great Worf scene. He's, he's We're really learning a lot about Worf's character in this episode. Yeah, and, it's great. Uh, Worf's great. It, it almost gives you chills, like, when he says that, because it's like, yeah, fuck yeah, Worf. It's all about the internal conflict. Yeah. Um, but, uh... He just is, of course, is still really, really insulted and betrayed. And it's like, yeah, you're not a true warrior at all. I was wrong about you. Uh, These humans have domesticated you, blah, blah, blah. And And um, says, maybe you're right. (laughs) Fucking merks him. (laughs) Okay, no, no, no. We got to get the full picture here. He fucking blasts the guy. He goes, oh no, I sure hope I don't fall through this plate glass floor. <laughs> he just How does land, this happen? goes down to the floor below. Oh, he's so dead. He's- How do they, the, the, the one part of the floor, they accidentally covered in sugar glass instead of plate glass. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say he's so dead, but he like he looks very clearly alive to me as Worf goes over to him and starts doing the death ritual. <laughs> He's kind of he's kind of got Look, a little. I'm sorry, but I already started this, so you're gonna have to die now. <laughs> he does luckily die right there as Worf starts to scream. But it was really funny to just like, oh, you're just assuming he's dead, Worf. You're not gonna take him to the sick bay or anything. Just like, oh, you're dead. Yeah. I, I assume he blasted him with a kill blast. Oh yeah, absolutely. More, more he, he was. And he also, was he broke intending... his fucking neck. <laughs> He was intending to kill him because he didn't want him to be executed dishonorably. Like this, in this way, he's dying with honor. Right, right. It, which is what you know the whole episode's about is that he he wanted to give him the chance to die with honor. Um, yeah. One, one, one thing that also does make sense about the the whole glass situation. So he falls onto the floor of the upper platform, right, and that glass shatters immediately, mm-hmm. right. Yes. He then falls mm-hmm. onto the bottom platform, also made of glass, and that only barely cracks. That was the good glass. They for, they didn't put the sugar glass in that floor. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's the sturdier glass. Well, he, he had budget, just budget cut service. You see, he had in the upper floor. He had just been shot with a blaster, so it had a multiplier on it. He did more <laughs> damage. A multiplier on it, like yeah, yeah. Uh, this is actually a Squid Games game. Somebody was setting up, and uh, oh they got... no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I wanted to ask you guys if you know, because I don't know. I don't know shit about what film techniques are called. But what is that zoom out that they do on Worf when he's doing the death ritual on Chorus? Because like, it, it's like, is that telescopic or what? Where they, they show him closer and then further and then further and then further. It was a cool zoom out. It's cool I, is what it is. It was cool is what it is. I don't know shit about film. Uh, you knew what a Dutch angle was and I didn't. You, ta- you taught me what a Dutch angle was. That's because I love Dutch angles. <laughs> Dutch angles are good. They should have more Dutch Thor angles in Star Trek. <laughs> um, it, you want Dutch angles in Star Trek? Check out Discovery. <laughs> oh, does it uh, I've seen like, screenshots. It's of got a lot. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I was just going to say they should have more uh, Dutch angles in Star Trek, and I'm glad they listened to me in the past. <laughs> um, so they return to the bridge to tell Knerma, or whatever his name is. I, I just wrote his name down differently, like every time I took it. 
I just called him Klingon Commander. I did not I was not getting his name. I just put Captain. That works. Um, but they tell him that the Klingons are dead, and he asks uh, to talk to Worf, and is like, Worf, how did they die? Worf's like, they died well. And he's they're all satisfied with this. Uh, and Picard asks him again if, if he wants the bodies, and then we get again, uh, nope, they're just empty shells. You can just throw them away. He... <laughs> Then he t- uh, either I forget it was, uh, if it was before or after the the body thing. He actually off he extends an offer to Worf. Yeah, he says, um, "When you are done with your tour of duty on the Enterprise, you should come join us." And Worf's like, mm-hmm, "You know, yeah, I'll, Worf, I'll think about it." Sure. Worf says he's honored, and everyone on the bridge. You want Worf walks back to his station, like do 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 do, and everybody on the bridge is just like turning, staring at him, slack jawed, like. <gasps> Is he gonna become a Klingon for realsies? And, and then Worf gets like super insecure about it. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's like, like I was just I was just being polite, Captain. <laughs> no really. Polite. Really, I didn't mean it, I swear. <laughs> really, Captain. Uh and Picard's just is like they're all just going about their business and Picard after a moment tells him, The bridge wouldn't be the same without you. Oh and And he's right, it wouldn't be. Worf so, is my guy. This is a great this is maybe the best actual episode we've seen so far in my eyes it's it's pretty good i i wouldn't say uh it's not my favorite what's your favorite episode that we've seen so far oh um shoot uh (laughs) the one where they're in the holodeck uh what's it called um oh the the, uh the, the the big goodbye yeah yeah but honestly seeing this you might be right i think this is a better episode objectively than that one I like, really actually, like this one. You learn about the world. You learn about war. Finally, um, you get some good action. Like I thought, this episode kind of had everything. This is like a decent episode of sci-fi. Like I, I yeah. really, I really like this. Gives you something to chew on. Um, I have nothing bad about to, to really say about this, other than it's very silly. Everyone can just run around everywhere on the Enterprise, really, really. <laughs> uh, but that's nothing new. Uh, this, this this episode was great. I thought. Yeah, they have no security on the Enterprise at all. And then we've oh. learned from the security they do have sucks. <laughs> they wow. are not good. They, I guess they're not tested very much. No, no. It's... Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good episode. It's good to do a couple of good episodes of Star Trek uh, The Next Generation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think this show will continue to season two. Wow. They finally made it. I don't think so. I think they're screwed. <laughs> oh, no. I think everyone just watched yeah. Haven. I think everyone I'm just not... watched Haven and turned it off immediately. Aww. I like Haven. That was a good one. I just everyone watched Code of Honor and turned it off immediately. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> we started so rough this season, and we're getting to a place where the episodes are kind of stable. Next episode, uh, I don't think is great, though. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> we'll see. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it or sour it at all for you, Haste. But I, I uh, it's kind of a boring episode. I'm not surprised. It, it, it's been kind of alternating between like pretty good to uh, d- deathly boring, kind of like last week. Yeah, but uh, Arsenal of Freedom is the next one. It's going to be episode 21. Uh, we'll be talking about next week on the podcast. Uh, that is the one where they uh, run into some weapon selling guy. Um, I actually haven't seen it in a long time. So maybe it's better than I remember. And then after that, we're going to be talking about Symbiosis, which I do remember because this is one of my favorite episodes of season one, uh, where they. Uh, have to negotiate between two twin planets about a, uh, a shipment of medicine. And there is one classic, iconic scene that we will get to see in that. So I'm excited. I don't remember what scene you're talking about, so I'm excited too. Mm-hmm. 
But those are the two episodes we'll be talking about next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys. Thank you, McFreeze. Thank you, Hayes, for uh, doing the podcast with me. Mm-hmm. Thank and, you. And uh, do you guys have any closing thoughts before we go? I want more Worf. I want more Worf. Everyone more wants Worf. more Worf. We're all demanding more Worf. Oh, and also, if you have any questions or comments, don't forget to email them to us at bemetosickbay at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, thank you guys again for listening, and have a wonderful day. Thank you.